0: You don't have any Stephen King.
1: You've got the shinoo! I mean shiny.
0: Shh! Want to get sued?
1: It's just your fate. You're that geeky Stephen King kid. There's one of you in every school. <sighs>
2: okay, that's him, that's him, that's Kucha,
0: that's Kucha! I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer. Something, something. Oh, crazy. Don't mind if I do! <laughs>
1: And welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, hosted by two lifelong constant readers. We do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of King's published work, and take a critical look at his film and television adaptations as well. We also discuss the latest King news and check in with each other on our ongoing King obsessions. It's the podcast where all things serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com and more of our podcasting... At ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. And you can also like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Tower Junkies Pod. And follow us on every level of social media at Tower Junkies Pod. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer for a ridiculous amount of bonus content spread across all of ObsessiveViewer.com's various podcasts. Um, at the $1 level, you get B roll stuff where, like, the one that Tiny and I just recorded is all about me. Um,. Lamenting the loss of my laptop and talking about some cool podcasting gear. Um, I don't really like saying that like, oh, podcasting gear. <laughs> um, I don't know what, I don't know why. I just, I don't know. Huh. Um, yeah. gear, gear's a buzzword though. It, it, it is. It yeah. is. Um, but yeah, so so talking about some good podcast equipment um, <laughs> and then $2 level gets you that. Plus uh, book reviews and TV, uh, uh, TV reviews as well. I just did a... I just did um, <laughs> all seven episodes of Midnight Mass. I went through and uh, reviewed each episode as I watched it. Um, so, yeah, check that out. Sweet. And, uh, and yeah, and I also have Billy Summers up there um, in 100-page intervals. So, check that out. $5, $5 gets you all of that, plus commentary tracks, which I'm currently doing commentary tracks for Halloween, Halloween 2, 1981, um, Halloween H2O, and Halloween 2018, and then... Um, Since it's going to be on Peacock, I'm going to do a commentary track for Halloween Kills. Um, So you get all of that plus like 15 other commentary tracks for $5 (laughs) (laughs) plus everything at the $2 level and $1 level. And then if you pledge $10 per month, you get everything that I've just said plus early access to content and some unreleased stuff that I post just for the $10 patrons. So again, that's at patreon.com slash viewer. And uh and yeah so I'm one of your hosts Matt Hurt and joining me as usual is Tiny Tiny how is it going It's going good man Nice nice what is what uh, what's new with you <laughs> Not much. Nice. Got a short week nice. this week. I'm excited. Ah, nice. Yes, anniversary yeah. week. Anniversary weekend. Yeah. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Um. Yeah. I we talked about this on Patreon, so we don't need to rehash it. But right. Um. But yeah. But I have tomorrow off, so I'm excited. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. So big things. Big things for both of us. Um. Mm-hmm. So totes. Um. Yeah. And uh, yes, so today on the show, in the chronology of, in the planning of the podcast, we were supposed to be doing Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, this, this week. Technically, we were supposed to do that. No, no, we're supposed to do that this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Okay. I was worried that there was going to be a, lap, uh, a lapse, but no, we're we're still a week ahead. Anyway, so um we were going to do Tales from the Dark Side the movie as planned as part of our creep show kind of spectacular, but uh kind of things got in the way and we didn't get a chance to watch the movie or do the homework or anything. So we're going to take a brief recess from the um creep show uh, series that we're doing and we're just going to do our top 19 Stephen King adaptations. And so we're going to be talking about that in this episode. We're not going to be spoiling anything. Um, so feel free to listen to this episode and let us know what your top 19 King adaptations are. And to kind of clarify when when we say adaptations that also includes original works for TV and film. So like I mean Castle Rock isn't in a direct adaptation of anything in particular but that counts as something and same with like Storm of the Century which is only a miniseries and nothing else and um, other stuff so um, so yeah so obviously King has a lot a lot of stuff in the tillman the t- the um <laughs> category uh, in the film and television medium. So uh, I'm excited to finally do this. And did yeah, me too. Yeah, We've been talking about this for a while. We have. Oh, yeah. And if you want to check in on our top 19s of of novels and everything, um, and win this posts, it'll probably be up there too, go to uh, towerjunkies.com slash top 19. Or no, it's towerjunkiespod.com. That's the actual URL. <laughs> um, towerjunkiespod.com slash top 19 and that's where i keep all of our top 19 stuff there so um check that out as well or if you want to just spoil this episode go check that out now and <laughs> see what where our top 19 is um but yeah and you'll also see pictures of our, our beautiful little faces um, so yeah um okay cool so tiny yes as is customary we're gonna do some stephen king news and check-ins mm-hmm. Um, do you have any, let's go with, with, uh, you know, I, I know you have some check-ins. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go ahead and say news and then we'll go into check-ins if that's that okay. That works. Okay. So I really only have one piece of news and, uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting one. So it was announced, uh, last week that, uh, Blumhouse Productions, um, has announced the, uh, two cast members of, uh, the adaptation of Mr. Harrigan's phone, which is mm-hmm. one of the novellas in, uh, in if it bleeds that came out, um, 2019. Mm-hmm. And so this is exciting cause I don't know the story. I don't know the story yeah. and everything, but I've heard that it's one of the stronger ones in that collection. Um, it's written and directed by John Lee Hancock, who I can't place what I, what I've seen of his work, but, um, it is going to star as presumably the titular mr harrigan uh it is going to star donald sutherland mm. and as uh the kid of the story apparently <laughs> uh jaden martell uh from mm. you know old old uh old bill from uh it nice uh yeah big bill big bill there we go big bill denbro uh big bill denbro um yeah so that's exciting and again i just i love it whenever there's you know uh Stephen King, yeah, crossovers and stuff. Universe, yes. So, how do you feel about this casting? Production is beginning this month in October, and it is going to be released in 2022. So, we're going to have to do if it bleeds next year. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Is it TV movie? That is a great question. I believe it's a feature film. I want to say, um, I don't know if it's going to be like a streaming thing or if it's going to be theatrical. Okay, I'm I'm leaning toward theatrical since it's Blumhouse. Mm, yeah. Um, but, I mean, they could also make it a peacock thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. so Cool. I mean, hey, you know, it's a couple of big names. Yeah. I do like uh, Jaden Martell. Me too. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. So... The, and who doesn't like Donald Sutherland?
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Right. So that's cool. I will say Katniss Everdeen doesn't. All right. Because <laughs> right? he uh, was the bad presidents, guy. No. President Snow. Right. You know, nothing. President Snow. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. Talk about crossover. <laughs> right. Um. Oh, so John Lee Hancock wrote The Blind Side. Okay. Three acres. Um, so I won't hold that against him. Oh, he also directed the movie The Little Things that got pretty, pretty pretty maligned this year Uh, yeah um let's see some of his other credits are oh the founder which i thought was fine that's a good movie i liked it yeah uh one of my favorite jokes that i've ever said on the podcast on obsessive viewer or (laughs) i think i said it on social media was that you know i i think that uh you know probably um Hang on. The founder, because it's about Ray Kroc and the founding of of McDonald's and Mm -hmm. how he kind of stole the idea from the McDonald's brothers and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So my kind of uh, my immediate uh, reaction to it that was really jokey and stupid was that it. uh, Hang on. I'm going to find it here. Um, I thought that I could vamp, but I can't. Oh, I don't have it on there. God damn it! Anyway, um, so uh, so yeah, my my whole thought was like, you know, I only liked a part of it, so technically, it's, it, it's kind of like a quarter founder. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's funny. That's dumb. That's dumb. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, so so yeah, uh, that's some of John Lee Hancock's work. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's all, not
0: super inspiring, I guess. That he's, yeah, he's involved.
1: You, yeah, did he? Or, I mean, he also directed Saving Mr. Banks. Did you ever see that? Oh, yeah. That was the yeah, uh, um, Walt, Walt Disney. Disney. Yeah. Tom Hanks.
0: That was a charming movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. Uh, I guess what I'll say about that movie, I liked the concept better than the execution. Okay. Put it that way. But it was a, it was a solid movie, though.
1: Nice. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, the actress, um, gosh, I'm speaking on her name, um, uh. Professor Trelawney from Harry
1: Potter. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, Emma Thompson. Did you say
1: you're spanking on her name? <laughs> blanking on blanking. Me. Okay. Uh, Emma Thompson. Obviously. Emma Thompson. Yeah. Yes, she was fantastic. Nice. Yeah. Anyways, Oh, yeah. Colin Farrell's in that. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. Cool. So anyway, <laughs> that's the news that I have. Cool. Uh. Tiny, I've got a couple things for check-ins. You have a couple things, or you have one. What do you have?
0: I have <laughs> a couple of things. I got. I can get would edge doom in one check-in.
1: Okay. Yeah. Let's do that.
0: Yeah. Um. So I purchased from Mm -hmm. amazon Mm -hmm. recently um (laughs) nice i'm trying to get back into like some physical books um, as opposed to just audible Mm -hmm. um and i so for that i purchased joyland and the colorado kid and the physical like comic book adaptation of creep show yes yeah and so um I've read through The Colorado Kid mm-hmm. already, which I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, I started Joyland. I haven't gotten very far yet because okay. um, of all the work and everything I was yeah. doing the past couple of weeks. Um, and then I just got Creepshow this weekend, so I haven't um, I haven't uh, gotten into that yet. But nice. um, I think I will definitely, definitely. I'll mention probably. During check-ins and his future episode, like what I thought of creep show, mm-hmm. um, the nice. the comic the, book um, yeah. adaptation of it. But um, yeah, I think eventually we'll, we might have an episode about yes. Joyland and the Colorado Kids.
1: Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that. Did you want to do just doubling those up and do like the both Colorado Kid and Joyland since they're both short, or do separate episodes?
0: Um, we can double up as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Because I what, whatever you want to do. Yeah. So. Okay, yeah, I think we're going to have a guest on there, a
0: returning guest. Oh, yeah, nice. Yes, yeah. so. Um, but anyways, reading yeah. Colorado Kid really got me, I, there was like a um, uh, uh, prologue, mm-hmm. if you will, um, kind of introducing the idea of hard case the Hard Case Crime oh, okay. Um, books uh, written by – it was written by the guy who kind of started the company. I can't remember his name. Okay. Dave something, I want to say. David something. Because mm-hmm. um, I think Colorado Kid was the first one. Oh, really? I think – because I think he he had the idea and he wrote to Stephen King because he knew he was a big fan of that mm-hmm. concept and he just wanted him to write a blurb for them. Okay. Kind of introducing it and he was like, I'll do you one better. I'll give you a story. And That's so awesome. Yeah, so I, th- I think it was the first one and so nice. his little – prologue forward from this guy is in that and I just thought it was such a cool idea nice. um, totally like a grassroots kind of just mm-hmm. fully like inspired from a couple of art nerds you mm-hmm. know book nerd kind of people um, so I just love the idea and so I think there's about 20 of them and so I'm just going to start buying those um, the, the actual paperbacks mm-hmm. uh, the the physical form of them um, so I just bought um, uh, it's called bust I can't remember the author's name um, so yeah, I'm right. going to start collecting all those and reading them and, um, I'll check in, you know, occasionally Very as, cool. as I collect them. It's a really cool, um, really cool collection. Cause they're all like, I guess, uh, in the past when they would do those, those trade paperbacks that, mm-hmm. that kind of inspired it, you would go get them like anywhere. Like they'd be at the pharmacy right. and the grocery store, the gas station, and they'd be like a, they'd be like a quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're all really cheap. Like some, most of them are around $10 or less. Yeah. And so they're really cheap and they're all quick reads, you know, like mm-hmm. two, 300 pages. And, um, it's, it's totally just supposed to be like quick digestible stories. There's usually a, a mystery. They're kind of, they're kind of sexy mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, noirish kind of stories. So, um, I just love the concept. And so I'm going to fully buy into it and, uh, get those stories.
1: Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, because Later was one of them. Right. Later, um, yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, Tiny, there's more than 20. <laughs> oh, really? Maybe it's just because I, I j- I've looked. only
0: read The Colorado Kid and they just had the list. Oh,
1: okay. Of, okay. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you how many there how are? How many are there? Well, first of all, let me just say, Tiny, um, <laughs> that... Some of the, it's really interesting because some of the, like, I know that there's a bunch that were written by Michael Crichton under a uh, pseudonym of right. John Ling. Right. So that's cool. But according to their website, uh, 135. Well, shit. So, uh, so, yeah.
0: Huh. Well, I guess because The Colorado Kid was the first one, maybe they're mm-hmm. just, the reprint or whatever just had, like, the first 20 on there. Right. I don't know, but... Well, I'll collect them until I'm tired of it, I guess.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. More power to you. Yeah. yeah. So. Um. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Like I said, they're not expensive.
0: They're not big. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: They seem like good, uh, like beach reads.
0: Right. Yeah. And they all have, um, you know, a unique piece of art, cover art on them.
1: The cover art's amazing. Yeah. That's oh, very
0: yeah. inspired by like the noir era. Yeah. Kind of stuff. So, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. They're just fun. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so for my check-ins, are you are you ready for my check-ins? Did you have another one?
0: No, that's all. I, that's it. I said I'm good.
1: Okay, cool. So I just have a couple of check-ins. Um, that just went away from my phone. Um, okay, so I have a couple of check-ins. Um, really fun stuff. Um, first I'll do the non-related Stephen King thing, but a uh, friend of the show, JP Leck, who uh is the is the Mastermind of the Endless Elsewhere mm-hmm. uh, He is an alum Of the Sharktober and Irvington Event that we did yep. um, He has I, I've mentioned it before he has a podcast The uh, the Endless Elsewhere Podcast which has My voice as the uh, <laughs> As the true crime uh, YouTuber uh, Adam Baum <laughs> Which was in uh, One of his short films and In the podcast <laughs> And so he very, very nicely messaged me and said, like, hey, I've got this. I've got something for you if you want to give me your address. So I'm like, OK, yeah. So I gave him my address and he gave me this. It's a it's a coffee mug with the Atom Bomb logo on it. That's cool. Yeah, that's so cool. Very nice. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah. And then the endless elsewhere um, is logos on the back pieces on the cat tree yeah uh, so yeah but anyway check that out EndlessElsewhere.com. there's a bunch of stuff there and he also has a patreon for the for the podcast so check that out as well cool. and thank you JP if you're listening I really appreciate it and just that logo looks so cool it does
0: it's very cool I like it yeah yeah, yeah. very retro oh yeah.
1: yeah oh yeah very cool very cool yep yeah. So, I'm excited, so, what's
0: your process for getting into character?
1: okay, right? I just um <laughs>
0: is it is it you do method or are you like
1: a... uh, i am I'm so method um so i I went and found an atomic bomb and <laughs> um, <laughs> no uh it's funny'cause like i because I don't have any voice acting talent at right, all or right. experience. But, like, he said that – I remember when he first asked me about it, he was like, you know, I've listened to your voice in my head all the – like, so much that <laughs> when I was writing this character, like, it was your voice and everything. Wow. That's So, funny. I was like, that is so touching. That's so nice. Nice. Um, And so, so like, I didn't do much, like, in terms of, like, um, like doing any, like uh, – Like any work or anything on it, like like Mm -hmm. any character work or anything, yeah. Because I wanted to just be like podcast voice, Mm -hmm. but also given the subject matter of it, I uh, because it's it's uh, the character is recounting some of the strange occurrences in Circle City, Mm -hmm. and so like I would definitely have to do like a like a like um like pizza roll was in was uh, was at the vet, (laughs) and she had to have her bladder checked, (laughs) but what happened next may terrify you. She froze up on the carpet. <laughs> chills, bro. Yes, I got yes, chills. Yes. JP, if you're <laughs> listening, feel free to put that in. <laughs> put that in. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, guys, check that out. Uh, uh, EndlessElsewhere.com. It is It is awesome. And I just have the utmost respect for JP Leck. Totally. I mean, just his... He has this overarching vision and everything. It's just... It's so cool. It's, it's crazy. It's yeah. so cool. What he's, multi- what he's
0: achieved over the last, like, decades. It, yes. It's yeah.
1: insane. Mm-hmm. And, like, the amount of work, the amount of output and everything, and just the the different... Uh, like, the multimedia aspect right. of it. Because, like, he has, like photo comic books or photographic novels of it he has novels he Mm -hmm. has podcasts he has short films it's just it's so cool it's basically a one-man marvel absolutely oh yeah yeah so very cool okay and so i have a couple of other check-ins i want to get through um first is that uh i don't think i got around to saying this on the podcast the last time but uh uh listener Jason tweeted at me a while ago back in September uh, September 30th and said, Just finished reading Billy Summers last night, which means I just finished listening to the Tower Junkies review today. This one is top tier king for me. The relationship between Billy and Alice is incredible and that ending. <laughs> and so I was delighted when that tweet came through. And then he – like as soon after that, I got an email saying like – uh, saying that, oh, he just became a new patron at the two dollar level, and then he <laughs> tweeted me and said, "Uh, in your um your Billy Summers reviews just earned you another, uh, earned you a two dollar patron and everything. I'm excited to listen to them. So, uh, Jason, if you're listening, hope you're enjoying the Patreon content. Um, cool. Yeah. So yeah. Um and that's what I have for that check-in, and then the other check-in. I think this will be my last check-in, and then we can get into our top 19s. I'm actually really excited now. Yeah. Um, uh, friend of the show, Victor Gamboa, who hosts his own podcast, The Outer Limits Podcast, of which I was a guest, um, and he is also the proud owner of a Roadcaster Pro as well. Mm-hmm. Um, at my um, <laughs> at my recommendation, um, he uh, he DM'd me and uh, he DM'd me uh, a while ago. And he just said like, hey, um, I shockingly, I, I haven't read any Stephen King. Uh, where do you recommend I begin? Mm. So I'm like, OK, let's <laughs> do this. Um, <laughs> all right. So I recommended that he read different seasons first because I figured mm. that that is a good entry point to get uh, get a good taste of Stephen King's storytelling prowess. Mm-hmm. And it's not too because I, I kind of feel like with Stephen King, you kind of have this this understand or or this mistaken understanding for for people that aren't familiar with him that he that he's just a horror writer it's something we've talked about ad nauseum Mm. so i wanted to direct victor toward uh something that is not not necessarily horror and and it's not horror through and through or anything so i recommended different seasons and then like very soon after that he (laughs) (laughs) he uh he sent me another dm and said well matt i thought you should know that you hit it out of the park with your recommendation (laughs) (laughs) i just finished apt pupil and holy catfish i had to stop uh the body 10 minutes in because i'm still in the headspace of that story wow yeah and he said i haven't seen the film adaptations of apt pupil or shawshank but those fucking those were fucking incredible stories (laughs) Uh just wanted to say thanks again and let you know that you've opened my eyes or ears, because he listens on audible, mm-hmm. uh to the work of the king. And uh That's I'm just awesome. I, yeah, I'm so delighted by that. Yeah. Um and then he followed that up um this past Saturday and he said, <clears throat> Matt. Sorry, I keep bugging you with this stuff, but I finished different seasons, and I very much enjoyed every story in it. If I had to rank them, I'd go Apt Pupil, Shawshank, The Body, and The Breathing Method. They're all very close. I didn't dislike any of them. I did get a chuckle from The Breathing Method because my sister, because the sister hospital to the one I work at is named White Memorial, so that was fun to hear. So it's you'll you'll gotcha you'll see okay um, <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. So I'm I'm super excited for him to to. Be exposed to more Stephen King. Nice. And next up for him is going to be Night Shift, which I am personally excited for him to read just because it is it is it is night and day. No pun intended, because night shift, but it is night and day from different seasons. It is much more aggressive and much more just I keep wanting to use the word gnarly, <laughs> but I, I'm going to give I'm going to tell you guys a secret. <laughs> Almost every single time I've heard someone use the word gnarly, like, oh man, that scene was so gnarly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they mean it's good or bad.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, it's kind of a um ambiguous word. Yeah. yeah. Oh
1: yeah. So like uh, so yeah, so that's my secret shame. Um so uh but night shift is a is a very uh, gnarly or extreme uh collection. So I'm very curious what Victor's um response to that's going to be and also I'm selfish in that I recommended night shift to him because I have that Stephen King Patreon project in the works so all of January on Patreon at the $2 level uh the $2 patrons are going to get weekly installments of what I'm calling the Church of King because <laughs> every Sunday you're going to have a new episode of me talking about short stories from Stephen King January is night shift and so that's every Sunday in January it's going to be another edition of me talking about night shift and I will say uh since since Victor happens to be a 10 dollar patron, he's going to have access to all of that hmm. uh at on January 1st. So, yeah. sweetness. Okay, so yeah. So that's my those are my check-ins and uh yeah, any any thoughts on that, tiny?
0: No, exciting that we got more nice. patrons filtering uh, in.
1: Yes, I'm very excited about that. Thank you guys so much for mm. joining our Patreon. Um and <laughs> I I mentioned this on Patreon And I'm going to say it again (laughs) that I felt really uh, weirdly awkward because uh, Paige uh uh listener page patron page patron page now Mm -hmm. uh she joined patreon and it was after the like it it was right before the previous patreon episode was released in which i actually reference her and her new cat Mm. and so like like the day before that episode was going to release i got an email saying like oh she became a patreon supporter i'm like oh that's great and i was like Oh my God! I'm gonna seem creepy as hell <laughs> like, Oh hey, you just joined Patreon and then you you're like I just imagine like oh i'm I'm so excited to finally get you know patreon stuff for for obsessive viewer and then oh this this is about Matt's cat, I'm gonna listen to this, and then oh, he's talking about me what the, what the hell
0: <laughs> that is odd
1: yeah yeah but she commented and and like i mentioned like we like we talked about it and she's like no 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 it was just like oh that's just me it's like oh that's talking about me that's awesome (laughs) nice so So if you want to know if we've talked about you go join patreon and go through the backlog um we don't we don't say anything negative about anyone right um yeah so anyway those are my check-ins um do you want to get rolling on the episode? Let's do it. All right. So as previously mentioned, we are going to be counting down our top 19 Stephen King TV and film projects. So it is our top 19 adaptations of King's work and other film and TV ap- uh, uh, applications, adaptations, and uh, <laughs> works. So Tiny, I don't really remember how we did this when we did our top 19. But obviously we're going to go 19 to one Mm-hmm. And I think we'll just do like, I'll start with my number 19, you'll say yours. And then if we have one, like if, if, like, if your number 19 is my number nine, Mm -hmm. what, how do you think we should do that? Should I say, like, oh, hey, that's not my number nine. And then you say your thing? That's probably the cleanest way to do it. Yes. Yeah. Unless, unless we come to each other's number one, because we don't know each other's list. Right. So, um, yeah, that's going to spoil it. But, <laughs> 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 but yeah, uh okay, we'll we'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. So we're going to talk about our top 19 Stephen King movie and TV works. We're not going to spoil these individual titles or anything, so feel free to listen along. I'll probably, I'll try to put show notes in the episode uh, or put timestamps in the in the show notes of the episode so you can kind of Figure out where we're where we're at and everything, but Tiny, do you want to get us kicked off with your number nineteen Stephen King adaptation? I will gladly do that. Nice. My
0: number nineteen is the It miniseries from nineteen ninety.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay,
0: yeah, which I was a little surprised that I found myself bringing it up, mm-hmm. um, but we reviewed that. Or at least mentioned it on the podcast. I should have looked up the episodes where we talked about these.
1: Yes. So we...
0: I should have been more diligent about it.
1: <laughs> uh, I think what we did there was we talked about... I think I talked about it with maybe Fecus. Okay. Or maybe you and I did, but I think it was episode four. I know I've mentioned it before on the podcast. Yeah. So you can
0: reference that episode for mm-hmm. further thoughts. But um, I think why I want to included on my list is the fact that I think it demonstrates really well the vision that King had in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, most notably the vision of how well these kids got along with each other Mm -hmm. and and their, their friendship, their love for each other. They're the losers club. And it's demonstrated pretty well in the miniseries. And I also think it's, it's really his full vision. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's really extensive and it's, uh, I I also find, um, Tim Curry as Pennywise is iconic. I Mm -hmm. mean, truly iconic. Um, and I think it stands out for that reason. I, I, I really love it. And, uh, it does have a lot of flaws. Um, it's it's got the full '90s camp, you know. And '90 <laughs> yeah. uh, the '90s was not a great time for television, mm-hmm. uh, as far as like the budgets yeah. involved, and, and especially
1: and, TV miniseries,
0: right? And the way yeah. people treated it and people's attitudes towards it, it was not as revered as it is today, right? Um, and so, but I, I think I think if you set those things aside and you have the right expectations going in, and you have a passion for the story. I think it's a, I think it's a good adaptation for people to see. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are better adaptations of it, (laughs) uh, the film, this, this, the story it, Mm -hmm. um, but I think this one is worth a watch to people who are, I've read the book twice Mm -hmm. and it's one of my favorite King books. Yeah. Um, and, and I, that's the reason why I would include it on my top 19 adaptations is that it's a, it is a loyal adaptation of his story and it's, demonstrates some of those ideas really well and despite all its flaws mm-hmm. so i i think it's worth a watch for true it fans or king fans
1: nice yeah. yes and that was episode four that i talked about it with with guest fecus okay on so you weren't on that episode i don't believe but okay i feel like i've talked about it before though. i'm i'm sure you have at some yeah. point okay. yeah um yeah probably when we talked about it chapter two or did Could our be. it chapter one commentary track on there right um right. yeah yeah. Okay. Very cool. So that miniseries did not make my top 19 actually. Okay. Um my number 19 though is the 1991 film which I know you haven't seen but it is sometimes they come back. Mm-hmm. Tim Matheson stars as a teacher who has a some uh, has a some has some uh traumatic experience from childhood that creeps up uh, upon him. So basically uh, he has a traumatic incident in his past involving some teenage bullies when he was a, when he was a child and they basically start infiltrating like, like kind of, they weirdly start infiltrating his class as he's a teacher as new students and there's a weird time thing where he like they're still teenagers and he's you know it's 30 years later mm-hmm. um really interesting story the sh- the movie is it's number 19 <laughs> so it, it's not like the strongest, but right, yeah, but it, there's some like pretty cheesy stuff in it. But for all uh, by all accounts, it is it is a very solid, very solid story, um, very solid adaptation of the story. Nice. Um, and I mean, that's one of my favorite stories from Night Shift. And uh, I'm just glad that there's something out there that's mm-hmm. adapted. Nice. Um, so it's so it's good. It's sometimes they come back.
0: Cool. Yeah. And obviously it's not on my list because I haven't seen it. So. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll see at some point.
1: Yep, I think uh, maybe next January, <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. possibly. Okay. Um. Yeah. So that sometimes they come back. Yeah, I have not seen the sequels. So okay. Yeah, but yeah. Gotcha. Um. Yeah. So what is your number eighteen?
0: My number eighteen is the miniseries from twenty sixteen, eleven twenty
1: two sixty three. Oh, interesting. Yes. Which was that on Hulu? That was on Hulu. That's and. What I thought. I reviewed it on the podcast with Mike uh in episode 41. Sweet. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. I I haven't spoken
0: about it, I don't think on the podcast. Yeah. At least not much. Um I watched it back in 2016 when it came out and I haven't watched it since. I've been meaning to rewatch it. Um but I think the the reason I love it is because it captures one of the core essences of the story and that I think One of the core motivations of that book is, what's the character's name? Jake Epping, I believe. Jake Epping. um, Yes. uh, Played by James Franco in the miniseries. Falls in love with a girl. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the strongest motivations in that story. Yeah. And I think that love story was told very um, loyally. Mm-hmm. To what was in the story, and, and I, I think it actually worked really well. I'm not the nice. biggest James Franco fan. Sometimes I really like him. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he did well enough with this. I, I enjoyed him, enjoyed him well enough in this. Nice. Uh, but it was actually the um, the actress, which I should have looked up her name. I forget. Uh, I
1: think it's Sarah Gadon.
0: Sure, Sarah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um. She was the standout of the oh, series yeah. for me. I thought she was magnificent. Um. It doesn't hurt that she is a gorgeous woman. Right. Um. But that she She was just so lovable, mm-hmm. her character was so lovable
1: that very small town totally uh quality right. that is that is one of the best parts of the book for me is that small town quality that permeates throughout the whole the whole story
0: absolutely so yeah. they they capture that feel so well um the whole time is obdurate thing was another aspect that yes, I think is difficult to film. Mm-hmm. And they pulled it off in this miniseries, yeah. Um, and they just got the feel right. It just felt right. Um, I loved the transition back to the early sixties. Mm-hmm. It just, it just felt right in so many ways. Um, obviously the book is better. Right, that's yeah. a given. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, th- th- I'm, I'm so glad they chose to make a series instead of a movie. I think this would have been oh, a, a very easy, um. Uh, I almost assumed they were going to make this a movie instead of a series because it's such a famous event. Mm -hmm. So many, it would reach a a broad audience because it's such a famous event. Mm -hmm. I was so sure this was going to be a movie, but thankfully they decided to adapt it into a miniseries, which I think is, was the correct format for it because there's so much subcontext and so much underlying stuff that drives the story. Mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming such a big television person anyways, Nice that it's, that's kind of my default position for almost any story anymore. Very um nice. but I, I think this particular one, it's such a long book too. It's a thousand pages. Yeah. I just I think it had to be a miniseries in my mm-hmm. in my opinion. So um I'm glad they chose to do it in that format. Mm-hmm. Um and it just it turned out really well.
1: Nice. Yeah. I just recommended the book to a coworker today. Um sweet. Yeah. So and it, it's it's on my top 19, the adaptation is, and uh, we'll talk about that when I get closer to number one, actually. Cool, okay. So, so yeah, um, cool. awesome.
0: What's your number 18?
1: Well, thank you for asking, Tiny. <laughs> um, this is kind of a surprising one. It's something that we reviewed in episode 33. It is the Vincenzo Natale Netflix movie adaptation of the novella In the Tall Grass. Hmm. Um, There is just something really fascinating fun or uh, immersive about the way that that story unfolds with the just crazy, you know, crazy tall grass that envelops them in the time, the time differential aspect of it was really compelling for me. And some of the changes that they made from the novella to the, to the movie helped a little bit with me to, to kind of key into it. Um, So overall, I just, I kind of really, really enjoyed this adaptation. And I think, Patrick Wilson did a good job. I honestly think he did a good job. I kind of think he gets kind of a bad rap, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I think that he did a very good job of playing a kind of crazed character um, gotcha. in this movie. So uh and then there are certain elements to it visually that I think Vincenzo Natale just nails so well, like the dew hitting the blades of grass and the kind of like microscopic kind of view of the world through that prism of the of the droplets. Is really, really just really cool. A little show-off-y in terms <laughs> of visuals, but really, really good. Um, so so I really liked it for for that. And a uh, plug for the Patreon. Um, $5 level, I have a commentary track for that. And It Chapter 2, actually. And Dr. Sleep and The Shining. Hmm. Um, a bunch of stuff up there. Cool. So, yeah, so that's in the tall grass. That's my in the tall grass. That's my number eighteen.
0: Nice. That didn't make my list. Um, Interesting. I wasn't nuts about that movie. I did mm-hmm. love the visuals that you described. Yeah. Um, but for me, Patrick Wilson just barely crossed the line of being a little over the top for me. Sure. I didn't hate his performance, but I he took me out of it a little bit. But uh, that's
1: fair. It was yeah, a, it, was, it was a decent movie. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. Hmm. Um, how about your number seventeen?
0: My number seventeen. Um. It may have been the same year. What year did Tallgrass come out? Um, It came out in
1: uh, 2019. Okay, so I was off,
0: Mm -hmm. but... 2017 was a huge year for Stephen King. Oh yes, this movie came out on Netflix as well.
1: 1922. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um, so that's. I feel like that one is pretty obscure. Mm. Um, the story itself, I think a lot of people aren't familiar with. Yeah. Uh, the the it was a short story, correct?
1: Um, y- or a novella. Yeah, novella in. Um,
0: I haven't read it, so.
1: Yeah, Do, you haven't. I thought we read it for the podcast.
0: Mm-mm.
1: Oh, I think I huh
0: i don't remember reading it i don't think
1: interesting don't think i read it that yeah well i'll talk about that here in a bit it's not on my list but um it's from the not just after sunset what's after just after sunset um oh god i it's um i don't know it's from a collection i'm sorry (laughs) i don't know either i can't can't
0: remember again probably something i should have looked up but uh, that's fine anyways um I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it had a great tone to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I just loved the, again, really good visuals. Um, it had a really nice filter over it. I feel like it had kind of a bluish gray filter to it. Yeah. Um, which for whatever reason, that color tone kind of speaks to me. And and personally, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so that jumped out to me. A lot of the visuals, um, I think there's some great camera work with the uh, kind of the sprawling farm fields really Mm -hmm. appealed to me. Um, I love that stuff. And I just think it's a really cool story. I I love how I, I, and I have no, I have no context for the uh, no context for the novella Mm -hmm. because I haven't read it, but um, it's just, it's just a great confluence of events. And um, I think this, the time setting of 1922 really, um, made it unique because i think you could have told that story at almost any time mm-hmm. Um it didn't have to be a period piece or whatever but it right. just it's interesting that he chose that <laughs> that specific <laughs> year to set it in Um i'm not sure why but it yeah. just it, it adds another layer of uh creepiness to it and mm-hmm. um desperation it feels like a more desperate time i guess yeah um just adds another la- layer to it that i thought was really really cool um and i love Love Tom Jane in the role. Oh yeah. He's oh, awesome. Yeah. So um yeah, just a cool movie.
1: Nice. And it was Full Dark No Stars. Full dark, dark No Stars. In. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So um so yeah, that's not on my list. And and for a specific reason. And that reason is that I I remember watching that movie and I remember reviewing that movie. And I don't remember much about the movie. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, not because I didn't like it. I actually I actually enjoyed it. But I think it was one of those things where I oh, – wow, I'm, it's taking me back. Um, I was working in the call center at work and I was working from home and I was watching it on my laptop. Oh, RIP. Um, <laughs> I was watching it on my laptop uh, in between phone calls. Mm. Um, and so that is not the best way to watch a movie. right? Um, and yeah, so so yeah, that's something I'll have to revisit. I did read the short story or the novella. I believe I did. <laughs> But again, it was one of those things where it was kind of in a, a time crunch because we were gonna review it that night or something. Right. Um or maybe I didn't read it. I don't know. I, I need to I'm I'm going to revisit it, obviously. Okay. Um, but but yeah, so so I it may be something that breaks into my top nineteen when I revisit the movie, but for now it's not on mine. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so it is my number 17. Now? Yep. Okay, so my number 17 is a title that we reviewed in episode 38 of the podcast. It is the 1997 miniseries version of The Shining nice. starring Stephen Weber, Old Brian Hackett. Um <laughs> so uh it's this uh, this is I'm I've talked about this before, but I'm just endlessly fascinated with The with everything, everything related to The Shining in context of King's greater work Mm -hmm. and his life, his journey that I know of his journey, what I know of his journey, because I've talked about this before, but just the idea that he writes the story about about Jack Torrance from uh, from that perspective, like he, he kind of makes Jack Torrance in the book a hero. Uh, or he makes it the sen- him, him the central protagonist and everything, while he himself is struggling with alcohol abuse and and I think at that point he probably has some sub- substance abuse issues and everything. Mm-hmm. And then Stanley Kubrick adapts it and makes him makes Jack Torrance that shit crazy from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's an that's such an interesting like different view. That's a different perspective on the story. And then, um. King goes on to write the miniseries to make a more faithful adaptation. At that time, King is sober. He has used, I believe he's used Alcoholics Anonymous. So he has Jack Torrance in AA in that version of the story. And it's just an interesting benchmark for, for like his life and and everything. And then we obviously have Dr. Sleep that came out later. And then we have Dr. Sleep, the movie that brought everything together and mm-hmm. solidified, Mike Flanagan as a god amongst mere mortals when <laughs> when um, when adapting King, yeah. And so with the miniseries, it does have its faults. It is something that is a, a bit cheesy because, like you said, with the it miniseries, it's kind of a it's a product of the of the late nineties. It's something that I think we're so spoiled in the past, we've been so spoiled in the past 2 decades with just prestige television mm. and the television medium being something so uh artful nowadays yeah that to go back and watch something so so dated and such a product of that time it's hard to forget what tv was back then right so with those caveats and everything it's still a remarkable piece of filmmaking in my opinion because they do a lot of fun stuff they they pay uh the it the the story is told in a respectful manner to the source material because King wrote it um and it's just it's it's a lot of fun it's really good it's it's an interesting it's an interesting different take on on what became a horror icon both in print and on film mm-hmm. so it's an interesting kind of side side uh side uh adaptation i guess yeah yeah so yeah
0: uh it's actually number fifteen.
1: Oh, nice! On my list. Awesome.
0: Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought it up, though. Um, mm-hmm. It's cool that we both had it on there. Yeah, because I think I think a lot of people forget about it, kind of, mm-hmm. um, because the film just overshadows. Yeah, everything. I think we we talked about The Shining a shit ton. Right. Uh, was it last year or 2019?
1: I think it was 2019 because it was okay. in preparation for Doctor Sleep.
0: That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're definitely right. So. Um, We've kind of talked The Shining to death and all its iterations and uh, and mm. you know uh, all that. Um, but go back to listen to listen to those episodes. I think those are some of the best King episodes we've done. Oh, nice! On yeah, this, on this podcast, I'm really proud of the work we did on those. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. But uh, I, the reason I have it on my list is I think it it does have a lot of faults, and I bring those up in the in the episode. When we talk about it, um, I think it needed a lot of editing. Mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's too long. I think parts of it are, are a slog to get through. Yeah, But the characterization is fully on point with what King envisioned in the story originally, the the, the novel originally. Mm-hmm. Um, perfectly on point. I think the performances from uh, Brian Hackett, um, <laughs> Stephen, Weber. Stephen Weber, and uh, Rebecca, Rebecca de Mornay are fantastic their their chemistry and their back and forth is like is like a perfect vision of the book in my opinion I, oh yeah i love that so much the kid not so much yeah <laughs> he's yeah. one of the few kid actors in the Kingverse who really did not do a good job right um not he's a kid so i'm not i'm not holding it against him yeah. um but so the, the characterization their relationship and again just the full vision of the novel hmm. being laid out visually is so satisfying. Nice. Um, and, and also just the, the Stanley Hotel. that
1: Oh, yeah. That
0: visual is so great. Oh,
1: yeah. Knowing um, the history of it in terms of King's history right. with it is just really cool.
0: Right. And, and you, you're talking about uh, the movie, uh, the movie adaptation 1980, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think the visuals of The Shining are dominated by uh, Stanley Kubrick's movie. Mm-hmm. But to throw in the Stanley Hotel yeah. really kind of is a good counterpoint to that mm-hmm. and i think it actually rivals that pretty well um i don't obviously visually this series doesn't stand up to stanley kubrick but right it's it's still a nice uh, per- perfectly serviceable film or uh, series from a visual standpoint and i think yeah. the stanley hotel is one of the the uh poles of that so nice yeah it's it's a fun little series it's it's worth a watch for especially for shining and king fans
1: yeah i absolutely agree and you said that that was on that was your number 15 number 15 yeah okay cool yeah uh how about your number 16
0: my number 16 is 2021's lisey story oh nice that made the cut that did make the cut very Um, cool again for for visual reasons i think that series had such good visuals the camera work um the direction the sets Mm-hmm. Everything about that series was visually amazing. Nice. Um and, and I think I, I I wasn't crazy about the novel. I didn't I didn't love the novel. And and even the series, like, I feel like it's such a personal story to mm-hmm. King, and it's so it's so cerebral and such yeah. a such a sh- strange way to tell a story, really. Mm-hmm. That it all, it kind of doesn't work <laughs> if I'm being right. honest, and that's that's why I'm not nuts about the novel, right? But and and I think if you if you don't read the novel, the series doesn't really work that well for you, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I think it's such a niche story mm-hmm. that it's. It, it's hard to appeal to a wide audience. Yeah. And, and I think, I think really only fans of the book and people who have read the book are really going to enjoy the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I hate to say that cause it was so brilliantly done. Yeah. Uh, the performances are out of this world. Oh, Incredible. Totally award worthy performances. Yeah. Um, from so many different actors in that series. Um, and it's, it is a fan again. It's, it's amazing that someone was able to adapt it. Yeah. I, I am blown away by that because yeah. again i'm not really a big fan of the novel i think it's a brilliant novel it's 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 well done but it's mm-hmm. it's very difficult to access yeah it's not a very accessible story uh novel and it, it's it's just i'm very surprised that they were able to make it into a cogent appealing well done series yeah um, i think it's a massive achieve, achievement achievement mm-hmm.
1: uh and a massive achievement
0: <laughs> achievement yeah. <laughs> yeah i like chief um but but yeah it's 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 just a really beautiful series i I think the visually the way they put it together they knocked everything out of the park characterizations perfect performances amazing but it's just such an odd story and such a niche unique storytelling structure that it's very hard to like recommend it to someone or say like oh this is one of the best series of the year like because it's it's so unique and it's so yeah. different um it's it's not the 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 word i keep coming back to is it's not it's not very accessible right for a lot of people there's not a lot of people i would recommend it to the novel yeah. or the series mm-hmm. but it's definitely good and really incredible storytelling
1: nice well said and man so th- it's not on my list mm-hmm. and i feel like hearing you say that i really feel like i should have put it on my list yeah right <laughs> um but also I kind of feel like my reasoning for not putting it on my list is probably due to its freshness in my mind. Mm, yeah. So I kind of think, I don't know, maybe that's a cop out, but Well, I, there's so much to choose from, too. There there is. is it's I mean. there's a massive amount of stuff. So, yeah. um I think that it's something that could really break into my top 19 when whenever I revisit it mm-hmm. uh, down the road, but well said. It's funny. I may never revisit it.
0: I, I may never watch it again, which is crazy. Right. Um, but some of it's always going to stick with me, though. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Nice. Awesome. And that was your number 16? Yes,
0: which I think you still need to do your 16th.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah okay, yes. So, my 16th is something I don't believe you've seen or read. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about it before. It's 1976's Carrie by Brian De Palma. Nice. Um, This movie is... It, it, it's something that I, I never really got um, when I was a kid. Like, I, mm-hmm. it was one of those movies that I saw maybe once or twice when I was too young to watch it. And I kind of, I, like, when I read the book, I, I watched the movie again, and I kind of got a little bit, I don't know, a little bit bogged down with the adaptation aspect of it and everything. But when watching it again after that, uh, sometime after that, I really found myself just enthralled by it. Um, like there's a scene like the, like the prom scene before the actual, like the iconic sequences and everything, there's like something to sissy SpaceX performance that is just so, uh, warm and just so authentic to this girl who is an outcast, who is seemingly accepted. Um, and it's just it's really it's something else. It's really great. Nice. Yeah. And so that's my number. What sixteen? Yeah, sixteen. Sweet. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. I haven't
0: haven't seen it. I haven't read the book. Uh, yeah. i will get seen, to it. I've seen chunks of the movie though. Okay. Um. And it's it looks really good. Um. Nice. And then I saw the, I want to say twenty thirteen remake. Yes. With yeah. uh. Chloe Grace, Chloe Maretz, Grace Moretz, yeah, and Julianne Moore, yeah, right. Um, that was a solid movie. That was yeah, good. It's not, it it's, okay. not it's not, on my list anymore. Yeah, but, me neither.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it since twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah, interesting, cool. Yeah, we'll cover it down the road. Sure. Um. Yeah. So, how about your? Did you already give your sixteen?
0: I did. Yeah. And okay. And fifteen. Fifteen was The Shining. Okay. So I'll jump to my number fourteen. Okay. Uh, which is is The Stand miniseries.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um.
0: So that's my, you know, what is it? One, two, third, 1990s Stephen King, right. King series that I've listed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I made it, I wanted to put all these on here because again, I think, you know, the ni- 1990s weren't a great time for television. It right, was, right. A lot of stuff was getting picked up, but it wasn't, you know, super, super well produced or crafted or anything. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think what it what those series did is they they provided a visual forum for King's full full vision of a story. Nice. You know, so many things when they get turned into movies or even modern you know series adaptations, so much big chunks of the story get left out, and it's it's uh, it's not super satisfying because it's so different from the book, and people who are fans of the book don't don't get too attached to it because it's right. it's so edited and condensed. Yeah. Um and, and this miniseries really covered most of the stuff from the book. It covered a good solid 80 to 90% of the book. Yeah. Um uh, which which again it just it just it gives it gives a form for the full vision. And that's that's mm-hmm. what I really appreciate about it. Um there's some pretty good characterization. Um you know, gary sinise and molly Ringwald yeah. are all fine as as their characters they do a pretty solid job um but I, I think if you can really get past the again kind of the low budget and the campiness of it i think there's there's solid creativity there with mm-hmm. with the writing and the structure and how they chose to tell the story um it's it's a lot of my picks are based on this is great for King fans. Okay, fans of King and fans of his universe and the original stories that these are based on. I think they're more than just worth a watch. Um, like uh, ev- everything I've mentioned so far, I want to revisit, yeah. pretty much, with the exception of I think Leesy's story. Um. Um, and it's because I, I think it's just it's just a good representation of the book.
1: That's really interesting because the stand 90s miniseries is not on my list. Okay. Um, and I I think part of that is because I didn't like it as much. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's very flawed. Yeah. Oh yeah. But also I think part of it is that we went so hard on the stand last year. We
0: exhausted the stand. Like
1: we exhausted the stand. Yeah. And I don't know. I just kind of felt like, yeah, you know, I mean, it was, it was solid. It was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And talking
0: about the stand so much kind of altered my stance towards it. And, you know, maybe that's just like a right now thing. And in the future, I'll be, I'll be happy to revisit it and talk about it more. But Mm -hmm. I'm really talked out on the stand. Yeah. Oh yeah. But we, we kind of, we didn't do as much time towards the shining and all of its iterations of of the franchise of the shining. But I'm still more than excited to talk about The Shining nice. with people and revisit it, and mm-hmm. so I I don't know if it's just if it's just a different form of fatigue with the stand or yeah or what, but uh, also mm. kind of the disappointment of the <laughs> the new series. Yeah, I that that's that, a
1: that's a big part of it yeah, too. That's hurt well. a lot, right? Yeah.
0: Um. Mm. So, but, anyways, yeah. I, nice. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's worth a watch.
1: Nice, and that's your number fourteen. That's number
0: fourteen for me, yeah.
1: And I'm gonna do fifteen and fourteen. That's cool. Okay. Go for it, yeah. So my number fifteen is Cujo from hmm. 1983. Nice. And that's interesting because I, I think pro- probably one of the reasons why I really liked it was that um, the the dog effects, like hmm. um, they had they had actual Saint Bernards, and then also a man in a, in a St. Bernard costume. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's thrilling. It is actually like frightening. It is incredibly frightening. Um, even though they changed the ending of the book, uh, in a, in a specific way, it's still something that I was really keen on because it, it does that thing that Stephen King stories do well in some respects. It takes a, it takes a pretty straightforward concept or it takes a, it takes a concept that, is kind of a log line, like, okay, a uh, woman and her son trapped in a car, a uh, rabid dog is attacking them. And, like, it just, it creates in it so much tension. And just, like, the way that the heat is is kind of showcased in the movie is just really, really visceral and, and uh, immersive to the viewer. So, I really liked Cujo, and uh, that is my number 15. Um, Tiny, have you watched Cujo? I haven't
0: seen the movie.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've okay. read the book, but I haven't seen the movie. Okay. And that's yeah. the, that's the kind of interesting thing about my pick for that is i that I'm, I'm not too, too fond of the book, really. Okay. It's pretty scattered and a little bit, I don't know. I, it's something I'll obviously need to revisit, but mm-hmm. it's not something that I'm eager to revisit. So
0: yeah. it's been more yeah. than 20 years since I read the book. So wow. I need to yeah. read it again. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. We'll put that on the docket. Cool. On the dog Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so my number 14, though, is also from 1983. We covered it in episode 11 of the podcast, The Dead Zone. Oh, nice. Starring Christopher Walken and directed by... Oh, my God, why can't I think of his name? Is it uh, David Cronenberg?
0: Oh, that's David Cronenberg. I forgot that was David Cronenberg. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I kept waiting to say David Lynch. Um, (laughs) So, uh, you know, and it's funny because I have not watched it since... Uh, I've not watched it since we recorded episode eleven, so it's been years. Yeah, and I just remember—I remember liking it well enough and everything. And I think I was just more interested and in, into the story and everything. And I think it does a, a respectable job. Christopher Walken kind of is a little hammy in it, yeah. from what I remember. But I just think I love the story so much that I forgive it for some of its weaknesses and everything. And uh, I think it's pretty solid. So that's my number 14, The Dead Zone.
0: Nice. That didn't make my list, actually. Interesting. Uh, I've seen it. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm not sure why. It's not a bad movie by any stretch. Um, I just, uh, that book was my, like, favorite Stephen King book for, oh, quite, yeah, a, for that's right. quite a while. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's in my top, might be my top five 19 uh, top nineteen uh, favorite Stephen King books. Um, so I hide, I hold that book in such high regard, mm-hmm. and I feel like the movie turned into a pretty average movie. Yeah, um, like it's it's fine. It's worth a watch for sure, but it's just not. It just didn't even come close to hitting the notes of the, yeah. the tone of the book for me. Um, it didn't didn't have the love story connection, right? That was so um, satisfying in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's definitely not a bad flick at all. Um, yeah, yeah. And I love Martin nice. Sheen.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Right. Yep. Nice. Um, so, what is your number? Th- are you real? Thirteen. Thirteen.
0: Yeah. Lucky yeah. thirteen. Nice. Uh, uh, mine is the 29, 2019 adaptation of The
1: Outsider. Oh, interesting! Yeah, which was on HBO. I yeah, I watched a few episodes of it, and I I never finished it, and okay. I need to go. I need to watch it again, or I nice. need to watch it. But but yeah, yeah. Talk about it. Um, it it took
0: some different turns of. It, it sort of introduced things in a different pattern as the book. Okay. Which when I first saw it. Uh, I'm trying to avoid spoilers here. Right, right. But uh, when I first saw it, I was not receptive to it because that was one of the things I loved about the book. It has a very straightforward, like, first 150, 200 pages. It's just kind of this mystery. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it takes this supernatural turn just on a dime yeah. in the book, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And I I, could, I understand some people didn't like it, but I thought it was a really cool thing. And I, I, I really love that about yeah. the book. Yeah. Um, And it's, it, it, the, the series doesn't take that approach. It's kind of blending the two genres and the two ideas from the beginning. Um, and, and like I said, when I first saw it, I was like, ah, damn it. That's going to take me out of it. But it, (laughs) they blended it really well and it ended up working really well over like 10 episodes. Nice. Um, and I adore the cast Mm -hmm. and the acting, um, is so good. I think again, just a very, very, uh, Dedicated and true adaptation of the book, um, which I think is could have been difficult to do. Yeah. Um, I, again, this I w- I'm so shocked that this was a miniseries. Oh yeah. Um, it, I was so sure this was going to get picked up as a movie. Hmm. Um, and it, I don't think it would have been a very good movie. Right. Because of time constraints and trying to edit it down into a you know ninety minutes or two hours.
1: Yeah. And and fitting in that supernatural element mm. as well as the kind of methodical element of it would would have been kind of disastrous for a movie.
0: Right. So yeah, kudos to, you know, Jason Bateman for mm-hmm. his, his vision with producing it and directing a lot of it. And yeah. Um, and HBO for funding a, you know, 10 episode series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a really satisfying 10 episodes. Um, yeah, it was very cool to see, um, um, Holly Gibney. Oh yeah. Um, exemplified on the screen because i Mm -hmm. you know i'd read three books with her right Right. four books with her at that point Mm -hmm. um and you know it's she's a difficult character um she's sort of a kind of a slow on the spectrum kind of of type character and that that's a very delicate delicate path to walk as an Mm -hmm. actor and and as a writer trying to capture a character like that but uh i can't remember the uh actress name um who played her again i should have looked this stuff up um, but she, uh, she hit it out of the park. Nice. Um, I, I'm really shocked. Let's see. Her name is, wow. She's not, why is she not at the top? <laughs> C- Cynthia Arrivo. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. She, uh, that same year she was nominated for an Oscar. Right. For playing Harriet Tubman. I think, um, is,
1: is she close to an EGOT? Is she? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. I don't know.
0: Hmm. But she, she was, fantastic as uh holly gibney i i loved i, I was so curious to see that, well how they were going to do that character and she was fantastic um but yeah it's just uh, also uh mark mark manchaka mm-hmm. uh he plays kind of one of the villainous characters but uh just so many so many great turns uh, from actors great performances um and it's i i think the the ending of the book mm-hmm. was a little abrupt and sort of anticlimactic and. The miniseries had the same problem, but, uh, you know, as King fans, we know it's, it's about the journey and not about the ending. Right. It's the endings can be great or you can just enjoy the journey you took and just come to the ending. Um, so I don't hold that against it or anything, Uh, but I kind of thought it would have been cool if they had sort of been like, Hey, we're going to do our own thing for the ending and try to punch it up a little bit and do something a little different. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of surprised they didn't do that, but, uh yeah it's just a really good adaptation fantastic acting um great tone throughout it really good directing great camera work it's just banging on all cylinders i think this could this could be a lot higher on my list if if there weren't so many great things to choose from
1: yeah i really need to watch it um in its entirety <laughs> I um, highly recommend it. Nice, and also Cynthia Revo is one Oscar away from an EGOT. Dang, I didn't know that. Yeah, she apparently I think she won a uh, Grammy, Tony, and Emmy for The Color Purple uh, when she was she was uh, a stage production of it. I guess. Oh, uh, okay. I think. Huh. Um. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so that's interesting. Yeah. Um. And she was in 2020. She was nominated for two Oscars <laughs> and oh, lost wow. out for uh for both of them dang okay um but yeah the the quote that i saw was like uh cynthia arriva on arrivo on um her near egot status and uh, the quote the pull quote from it is just i'm just gonna keep working (laughs) (laughs) nice and i guess she said that she was didn't expect to get this close this soon so yeah um based on what i've
0: seen her and i think she'll Mm -hmm. get there (laughs) oh yeah She's she's really good. she's very talented yeah
1: um, so yeah, so that's the outsider. I'm, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm, we so oh, tiny, 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 <laughs> tiny. So with, uh, knowing that King is working on a story that is going to be a Holly Gibney story. And also with Mr. Harrigan's phone coming out next year, mm-hmm. we might have to do a whole series on. Holly Gibney stuff. So (laughs) Mr. And that's good. Oh my God. That's like a, that's a year in and of itself. Yes, it is. That's a lot. Yeah. So the Bill Hodges trilogy, the Mr. Mercedes TV show, the outsider book, the outsider (sighs) miniseries, uh, the, um, uh, if it bleeds collection (laughs) plus Mr. Harrigan's phone. And, um, then, uh, whatever the book is that comes out. So, right. So, yeah. So that is so much. Yep. Yep. We've got it. We've so, Mr. Harrigan's
0: phone is this ho- the Holly Gibney story from that? No. Oh. Okay. Uh,
1: the Holly Gibney story from If It Bleeds is If It Bleeds. Oh. Okay. Uh, Mr. Harrigan's phone is a separate uh, novella. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Um, cool. So, that's your number... F-
0: 13.
1: 13. Lucky 13. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh, my number 13 is something that we reviewed in episode 27 of the podcast. And, my dear sweet pizza roll, cover your ears. <laughs> Because it's 1989's Pet Cemetery. Oh, um, so uh, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but when Pizza had her UTI a couple of weeks ago, uh, when I realized what was going on and I was panicking and a little nervous, and she was she was so like like she was cuddling up to me and everything, mm-hmm. um, I looked down and I realized I'm wearing a Pet Cemetery shirt. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> oh my god!
1: Yeah, um, but this movie is. I mean, it's one of the strongest adaptations and, and the property of Pet Cemetery is one of the strongest point of uh, point of reference for pop culture. And, and, you know, people, when they think of Stephen King, who aren't constant readers or anything, they'll point to like Pet Cemetery as one of the one of the titles in his in his bag of tricks. That's that's most notable or most memorable. Mm-hmm. And this movie surprised me. Specifically because I mean I have such a strong strong connection to the book I think it is far and away one of one of King's best written works and I I just I am just so in love with that book and I'm so terrified by it on a just deep emotional level mm-hmm. and the movie does capture a lot of that uh in in my opinion And it does so in a way that it's not a perfect adaptation. It's not a perfect movie by any stretch, but the things that it does, does, does it pretty well. And the casting is amazing. I mean, um, oh God, what's, uh, Ed, Ed Gwynn? um mm, yeah as a as judd crandall i mean that's iconic that's an yep. iconic role totally um and the kid playing gage is is uh, so freaking adorable <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> so it's 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 a it's a tough one but it is um it's my number 13 cemetery nice. 1989 very nice. That yeah. didn't make my list.
0: Um, Interesting. But I do hold the novel in the same regard as you do. That's a top yeah. fiver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Fantastic yeah. book.
1: Spoiler alert, the 2019 movie does not make my list. And yeah, yeah. Not so not much. <laughs> no. Yeah.
0: I appreciate what they tried to do with it. Yeah. But they failed. <laughs>
1: right. Yep. Yep. Uh, so how about your number 12? My number 12
0: is the 2017 Netflix movie, Gerald's Game.
1: Oh, interesting. That's my number 11. Nice. That's nice. funny. We were close. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, so this is uh, from an adaptation from St. Mm. Michael Flanagan. Yes, yes. Uh,
1: Prince Michael Flanagan. Yes. Um,
0: <laughs> who I would fillet if he were here. <laughs> um, Jesus. And I, I mean, seriously, when it comes to horror directors, my number one's probably John Carpenter. Oh, sure. Mike Flanagan is like on his heels.
1: I... Honestly, and we'll
0: probably surpass him.
1: I was thinking about this as I was just burning through Midnight Mass. Um the the amount of just quality work that he has put in mm-hmm. throughout his career so far is is astounding to me. Yeah. And the fact that like he keeps like he's he's got stuff he, he's going to keep working mm-hmm. and I'm just like I, like that that's what I mean when I say like he's Prince Mike Flanagan cuz he like <laughs> having watched midnight mass i can definitely see the parallels and i can see the influence of king so i'm like he's like he's a different and granted he's he's very talented at adapting king but he in telling his own stories and everything he's very much a student of king and that's why i'm like okay well he's a prince um nice (laughs) he's you know i like um, it yeah so and i feel like there's like a complete set of of artists who are you know students of king who do their own work in a really kingy way but to have their own voice and mike Lanigan is like the top of the line on that right yeah.
0: right yeah I, I mean i remember when i was reading gerald's game the novel mm-hmm. which i enjoyed a lot um i remember thinking I i read it with the knowledge that the movie was coming out soon right and so i remember as i'm reading the novel i was like how the hell <laughs> They're gonna make this a movie, yes. Because a solid eighty to ninety percent of the movie takes place with the main character handcuffed to a bed. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is gonna be weird. It's gonna be, it's gonna be boring. How are they gonna pull this off? Yeah. And Mike Flanagan, as he does, didn't mm. just pull it off. He hit it out of the park.
1: Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah.
0: This is such a great movie. I, I I am so blown away by the fact that he kept such a visually constraining movie was so visually pleasing. Yes. Um, he uses such an incredible color palette Mm -hmm. in all of his Mm -hmm. movies and shows. Um, and, and, you know, with, with a horror, uh, a horror story, you think it's going to be, the colors are going to be dark, black, navies, grays, really charcoal, dark, uh, dark movie. But that's, that's not what I associate with this movie. I associate
2: these beautiful,
0: sunsets on the lake Mm -hmm. where the sun is this orange yellow bright red sun is reflecting off the lake and there's all this beautiful color to it because so much of the backstory of the movie takes place on the lake at sunset and Mm. there's all these gorgeous colors for such a dark disturbing story and movie yeah And, and it's such it's so cool how he managed to I have no idea if that was even intentional, if he, if he was just like, well, you know, sunsets are bright and beautiful. Like, it just kind of happened to weave right. together that way. But it's just not the visual that I would associate with a story like this. And it's so crazy that he – that's what he planted in my mind with this story. Um, And, and not to mention great performance uh, from uh, Carla Cagino. Yeah. Just, again, oh, really, yeah. really difficult ask. Mm -hmm. of an actor to hey lay in a bed for two weeks while we're filming that's really tough um such such a physical performance and she
1: have all of the tension just be contained in your physical performance right
0: i mean uh, yeah a crew of people filming you and that's such a vulnerable state that's got to be so harrowing as an actor and she just nailed it
1: yeah so good. just i mean like you said the ask of that is insane to me just like Hey, we're adapting this book that has heretofore been uh has been uh regarded as completely unadaptable. Yeah. I need you to be to have very limited movement <laughs> and I need you to communicate as much of the uh, so much everything about the character through your physical performance and and your delivery of certain lines and everything. And on top of that, I need you to carry all of the tension and <laughs> and really, really sell the peril that you're in. Right. And my God, just putting all of that into context, she was uh, on another level. Right. And before yeah. all
0: that, your character is going to get sexually assaulted by her. Oh, husband.
1: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so yep. there's
1: that, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's It's a really... I was not... This was like kind of, I think this was my introduction to Mike Flanagan.
1: Oh, nice. It might have been mine, too. Yeah,
0: I hadn't seen his other, uh, I can't even remember the name of his other horror movie. Uh, uh, He's
1: done Oculus and... I haven't seen, I still haven't seen Oculus. Okay, it's good. Yeah. Um, Absentia and um oh hush 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 oh my god i saw hush that one later really on good. that's a cool movie too yeah. Yeah.
0: but uh but so yeah this was kind of my introduction to to mike flanagan and i have mm-hmm. he's he's one of my favorite filmmakers right now oh mine i too. mean he's huge right now so um this this was my introduction to him and i'm it, it's amazing that he pulled this movie off
1: um oh, oh absolutely yeah and so cool. that's something i was thinking about before uh, as well cuz uh Um, the fact that he's not doing a revival is absolutely heartbreaking.
0: It is, it is.
1: And like in my head, I I know, I know that he's going to do another King adaptation at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, his plate is a little full. He, (laughs) (laughs) he has this other limited series called the Midnight Club that's going to come out, Hmm. I think early next year, maybe. Um, and then it was just announced that he's going to do another limited series for Netflix, uh, based on. Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher. Hmm. So he's got a full plate, but what really uh kind of what I mean there are several things about him not being able to do revival. Uh there's several things about that that bums me out, but on a weird level there's like this there's this thing in my head that I wish that he was able to do revival because then that would make his his Stephen King adaptations fit into this weird like loose trilogy of like what i would call like the unfilmable king adaptations (laughs) yeah because you've got gerald's game dr sleep and then revival which i have no doubt he would have knocked out of the park yeah um and just like the the impressiveness of his work with dr sleep and gerald's game is is i don't know i'm just i'm such a sucker for like a good like grouping of three movies and stuff because i'm insane (laughs) um but yeah so so that's a bummer yeah yeah but yes. but yeah i loved gerald's game i need to revisit it i'm it's one of those things in full-on credit to mike flanagan and everyone involved but it's one of those things i'm scared to watch again yeah um <laughs> because of one specific scene <laughs> <laughs> mm. yep yeah yep so so yeah so that's that's your number th- uh, 12 number 12 for me and yeah. that's my number 11 sweet um and we covered that in episode seven of the podcast nice And, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and give my number 12. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Tiny, we're going back to 1983, which is so interesting because, um, this is the third 1983 title that I have on my list and it's number 12. And, you know, nothing smells quite as good as number 12 on a list, (laughs) except for maybe Christine from 1983. (laughs) Nice. Um, no, Christine, John Carpenter. Um, oh my, like, I... (sighs) so i i I really really love this movie. The mm-hmm. practical effects the the visual effects of the car just that alone is just incredible um and it just has this the like the the book is really good. I really love the book, but it has this interesting structure to it, and the movie kind of doesn't have that structure at all but it has at its core, it it's something that probably shouldn't work as well as it does because it seems to take uh, the same avenue of several different filmmakers who adapt King and thinking that, okay, we're going to make this, the central part of this is what's scary about it, is the, the log line, okay, a de- demonic car that kills people and everything. And so what John Carpenter does is he does that. He makes that the focal point, but he also does make Arnie and... Um, Oh God! What's what's uh, the jock's name? Um, I
0: don't even remember.
1: (laughs) Dean Stockwell. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They make the central characters. uh, Their relationship really, really well done, and everything. Yeah. But when you get to the scares, it's 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 not gimmicky or anything. It's just it's really it's really good. It's. It's it's amazing. I, nice. I love it. Yep. It's my number four. Oh, nice. Yeah, I nice. love this fucking movie. That's um,
0: awesome. Like I said, with uh, Gerald's game, mm-hmm. John Carpenter is my favorite horror director. Um, Very cool. The Thing is one of my top ten favorite movies mm-hmm. ever. Um, and Christine, it's for me, it's it is what they achieved with this car, the visuals, yeah, and the tension and the horror and the action they achieved with the practical effects of the car, mm-hmm. um, how they, for, for me, my fa- I think we talked about it when we reviewed this movie, the, 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 the ultimate scene in this movie for me is when the car reanimates itself after yes. it, uh, it, it was vandalized mm. and is essentially, you know, Arnie spent a year just working on this car in his right. spare time and put so many hours and hours into, redoing this car and and building this car and within the first couple days these assholes vandalize it and absolutely wreck it yeah and he just sitting there in the garage and tells it show me what you can do or something like that show me yeah show me and just the the reanimation the 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 practical effects they didn't cut any corners right in in showing all that they could have gone an easy route this was pre-cgi mm-hmm the way they pulled that off is just amazing I, I that that scene sticks out in my head and um all the classic lines like you said, the relationship was captured surprisingly yeah. well in a movie where it could have totally fallen by the wayside. Right. You could have had some really ancillary characterization in this movie, mm-hmm. but they pulled it off really well. And yeah. it's it, it's kind of surprising how well it works for a horror flick.
2: Oh, absolutely! Um,
0: and like a, like in nineteen eighties, you know, when slasher movies were having their comeuppance, mm-hmm. you have this really solid, rooted horror movie yeah it's, it's really kind of surprising how how john carpenter pulled that off um,
1: wow that i just i love this fucking yeah movie. it's that yeah that kind of blows my mind a little bit i'm i'm gonna have to kind of think about that because i i don't think i really ever considered it's it's placement in horror in terms of its release because like this mm-hmm. is 83 this is I mean, if not if not the height, it's it's like basically when like Friday the Thirteenth is is kind of kicking ass a little bit, right. and so like there's there's kind of a a big pull for slasher movies, and I, yeah. I didn't think about that in context of
0: and it's made by the guy was. who kicked off slasher the slasher right. subgenre, yeah, oh
1: yeah. yeah, oh yeah.
0: So, God, that's awesome. It's another layer to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I love this movie. It's it's all of the. All of the, the what they achieve with the car for me, mm-hmm. I can't take my eyes off it. And I just yeah. I love this movie for that reason.
1: Nice. That's yeah. awesome. So that's your number four. number four. Yep. And it's my number 12. 12, yeah. My number 11, again, uh, we talked about that in episode 14. Mm-hmm. Where we talked about Christine. My number 11 is Gerald's Game, which we already covered. Okay. Did you give your number 11? Not yet. Okay. Let's hear your number 11. Okay.
0: It'll be pretty quick. My number okay. 11 um, is 1998's Apt Pupil.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay.
0: Which we chose not to review it for right. our At Pupil story, and we, mm-hmm. we went over those reasons in that review. Yeah. Um, but I really, really like this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Sands all the controversy around right. it. Um, there was kind of a thought exercise you mentioned. I think it was on this podcast.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If there were... If you could list an actor, yeah, because it's when we were talking about Stand by Me.
1: Oh yeah, an okay. Actor
0: who died too young, and if you could bring them back for another fifty years to make art for another fifty years, who would you choose yeah. and why? Um, you had an awesome choice with Anton Yelchin, right? I fully agree with that. We were referencing River Phoenix, who had such an incredible performance in uh, Stand by Me. Mm-hmm. Um, my choice would be Brad Renfro, yeah, um, who passed away when he was in his mid twenties, I believe. Um, he, uh, I think he died of a heroin overdose. I think so too. uh, drug problems. Um, Yeah. But, uh, I love Brad Renfro. I, I've loved him in every performance he's ever given. He's a, Mm -hmm. he's a great actor. I think he was in his mid teens when this came out. Sounds about right. Um, a young teen, 14, 15 years old when this came out. Um, so he was kind of the perfect age for it. Yeah. To me, he was the standout. I think, uh, Ian McKellen is also amazing. um, and he was kind of a le- he wasn't as well known at the time. I think that was yeah. This was pre uh, Magneto,
1: yeah, and X Men, yeah.
0: which is what really launched him at least for American audiences, right? Um,
1: but mainstream yeah, audiences, mainstream probably. audiences. That's, yeah, yeah, it's
0: a good way to put it. But uh, but yeah, he the the two core performances are just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the story with there's so many disturbing aspects of the story. Yeah, it's hard to capture all that in a way that's still. <laughs> that's still palpable for even an R rating. Like right. the story is kind of an X rating almost. Uh, the, the book, the novella yeah. is kind of an X rating with all of the disturbing shit that happens. Um, and so some of that stuff isn't in the movie, but I think it almost would have been poor taste to try to capture some of that in the movie. Cause it's so disturbing.
1: Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Although I, so uh so I it's not on my list. Um and I have recently been uh, talking to my friend Sam um from he's he's one of my colleagues on the IFJ mm-hmm. and he was also a guest on The Obsessive Viewer um a couple of weeks ago to talk about malignant malignant <laughs> and um and Uh, he, he reached out to me a while ago, much like Victor did. Uh, he reached out to me and said like, Hey, uh, I haven't read any Stephen King, even though, even, even though I've read a little bit of Stephen King, even though seeming like someone who would devour all of his stuff. Um, I don't know if he necessarily recommend, asked me to recommend where to start, but he said like, I'm, I think I'm going to start with, uh, apt pupil. Uh, oh, and he was like, and I'm a really slow reader. So I need you to really, um, to really like. Uh, keep tabs on me and everything (laughs) so like um so yeah so uh, so i've messaged him back and forth he just finished it fairly recently um but he had seen the movie he loved the novella he loved the novella and he is now moving on to the body Mm -hmm. and so he saw the movie and he had some really interesting thoughts about it and i i agree with those thoughts as well because he says that the the movie in in comparison to the book is is so tame in in comparison and i have my own kind of issues with with the movie aside from obviously the main issues i have with it about the uh, assault and the the, um the you know the brian singer of it all Mm. but the thing that i kind of um wish that it would have done i wish it would have went harder honestly <laughs> um yeah. with it because you're dealing with nazism and socio- sociopathic tendencies and everything and i feel like it's a little bit tame for for my taste for the movie but that's fair yeah, yeah so fair. so yeah nice yeah um so that is your number what 11. 11. Yeah. And uh, so I'll go on to my number 10. Yeah. It is something we recently talked about, so we don't really have to spend too much time on it, but we talked about in episode 70, and it's number 10. I really should be higher. It <laughs> really, really should be higher. It's 1986's Stand By Me. Nice. Just a perfect coming-of-age story, perfect coming-of-age movie, perfect mm-hmm. acting, just all-around amazing, amazing movie that I'm going to have to push up a lot in my in my list. Yeah. Yeah, nice.
0: Uh yep. it's my number 6.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Um I
0: agree fully. Just mm-hmm. I love everything about the movie. So damn good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked about we kind of we didn't talk it to death, but we talked a yeah. lot about it a couple episodes ago. So right. Yeah. It's pretty fresh.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh I agree. I agree. It's cool. really it's really really good. Mm-hmm. Um do you want to give your number Number 10 for Ten. me would yes. be next. Um,
0: it's funny that I have this on here. I have such a good memory of this movie, but I haven't mm-hmm. seen it like damn near since it came out. Oh, wow. 1999's The Green Mile.
1: Oh, int- man. Yeah. Yeah. It hasn't. It didn't make my list specifically because I haven't seen it since high school. Right.
0: I think maybe I was a teenager last time I saw yeah. it. Um, but I have Man. such, I have such a high memory of it and such Man. a fond memory of it. Um, a young kind of unknown Sam Rockwell, mm-hmm. uh, having such a villainous role in it. Yeah. Um he, st- he jumps out to me, um, iconic Tom Hanks. Oh yeah. Um, this is a, um, uh, Frank Darabont, Frank Darabont adaptation who was, you know, kind of the original,
1: yeah. uh, prince. He's of, one of the original princes. <laughs> original princes. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's just got so many things working in its favor. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see how this movie holds up in a, uh, black lives matter context. Oh yeah. You know, in a, a modern, um, uh, modern attitudes towards race. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it kind of has the, the whole magical black person right. character, which has become, uh, borders on the offensive now yeah um and so i'm curious how that you know how wide audiences and myself will react to it Mm -hmm. nowadays it's something i want to revisit soon um but what i remember of the movie is just so positive really good performances um so many great lines Mm-hmm. And, and just really good camera work. Um, uh, again, it's another it's another period piece, mm-hmm. um, which I think is captured well in the movie. Um, I just have really fond memories of this this movie, and I kind of can't nice. wait to revisit it. I'm sure at some point we'll probably tackle. I don't know if we'll do a combo where we do the book and the movie mm-hmm. in one episode or break them up, but it's something I really want to, I want to, cause I've never read the book.
1: Oh yeah. Me neither. Yeah,
0: the book. So I really, it's and, something that I want to visit on the podcast.
1: Yeah. And, and so it's interesting because, um, friend of the show, Kim C at the year of underrated Stephen King, mm-hmm. she's currently going through the book and the book was released in serialized format in six right, parts. Right. And so like, I've thought like she's doing piece by piece. And I've thought about how we would tackle it, and I was thinking like we would do like a um, kind of kind of just check in uh, recordings. Like we would read it, and then after each section, we would kind of like we what we what we did with the stand. Okay. Only kind of put that all together and release one episode mm. just covering that. Maybe interesting. I don't know. That's
0: an interesting idea.
1: And then doing the movie separate. Okay. Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll see. But I I'm feeling that itch because I I want to hear those episodes of the, the underrated Stephen King the mm-hmm. year of underrated Stephen King so um, i want to i want to read green mile totally that's a good yeah. idea i like that idea yeah nice um, so that is your number 10 yep yes and so we're at my number 9 okay which we just reviewed a couple of weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> it is 1982's creep show wow yeah, I That's know. Your number nine, no, my number nine. It's my number nine. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Awesome. <laughs> That's funny. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about it two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, check out episode seventy-one. Um, yeah. Wh- wh- yeah how 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 you feel about it these last lo these last two weeks? It's it's sat
0: with me even more, and I've just I've liked it even more. I've I, 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 nice just sitting in my head more. I I think mm-hmm. I love it even more. But uh, yeah, I just I, the 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 tr- the word that keeps coming to mind is just how damn fun the movie is.
1: Yes, just so oh, fun. Yeah.
0: It, it's 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 campiness but it knows it's campy and it has fun with it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I, I love when movies pull that off. It's a very rare thing to pull off. Yeah. And they, this is maybe one of the best examples of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I agree. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it so much. Um, Oh, I, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's great. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We don't yeah. need to talk more about it, oh, right, but it's, right. it's fantastic. Creep show, uh, 19, uh, 82. 82. Yeah. Um, It's my number nine. And it's our number, our communal number number nine. nine. (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, How about your number eight?
0: Uh, My number eight is also something we talked about fairly recently is 1990s Misery.
1: Oh, interesting. That's my number seven. Nice. Interesting. We talked about that in episode 57. Nice.
0: Yeah. Um, To reiterate some of that, yeah, it's it's just, it's a pretty, another very iconic King Mm -hmm. uh, story. And I think it's iconic because of the movie. Yeah, um, obviously, fans love the story and love the book. Yeah. Uh, the book is a top three for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe my favorite, maybe my number one. Like, nice. I don't know. I gotta, I got, I gotta get back in that. Right. Think about that list, but um, I adore the book, and thankfully the movie was a really good adaptation. Yeah. Um, never gonna be as good as the book, but mm-hmm. um, Kathy Bates' iconic performance. And oh yeah. Just damn near flawless perform performance. Um, and, uh, just a good job keeping every, I, I, I love the, I think Rob Reiner achieved a good sense of isolation, yeah which is a theme that I, I that I'm automatically attracted to. I, mm-hmm. I just, in, in, stories, movies, books, I, I love that theme and, and he captured it well in yeah. the movie. I think that was well done. Um, and, and just the, the violence was very palpable in the movie as well. Oh yeah. It, it stuck out. So yeah, just a really good adaptation.
1: Yeah, I agree completely, and yeah. it it is, it is one of those stories that it is about that isolation, and it is about that containment. the The tension between those two characters is just so palpable and and visceral, and mm-hmm. the violence is amazing. I I love it so much.
0: Yeah, the psychological damage that Paul Sheldon goes through is not as well featured in the movie as it mm-hmm. is in the book. In the book, it's crushing. Yeah, just oh yeah, phenomenal in the book. Yeah, and it's. It's sort of overlooked a little bit in the movie. Right. But there's so many other great things about the movie that oh, absolutely. you can kind of forgive it.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Really good movie. Nice. Um. So, we're, we've come to my number eight. Yes. And Tiny, I don't remember if I mentioned this on the this podcast or in the Patreon, <laughs> but just in case it was only on the Patreon, my laptop died a couple of weeks ago. Mm. I lost everything. One of the things that I lost was... Our just famed castle Rock drop, mm. so yeah, my number eight is gonna be unaccompanied by brilliance, but i'll just i'll just i'll I'll just say it it's um castle rock is in the house tonight, <laughs> everybody just have a king time. We hardly knew you. Yes, yes. I'm so sad about that. But anyway, (laughs) it is Castle Rock, the TV show from Hulu. Um, This show ran for two seasons starting in 2018. We covered it in several episodes. We covered um, two and three episodes at a time, give or take. Check the show notes or check the... um, Website, the master list, um, and our archive page, but man, this is what I want out of a Stephen King adaptation distilled into a miniseries format, and an anthology miniseries format. It is so spectacular, the way that it blends stories, and it blends like actual like stories from King into these unique and new stories with new characters that aren't King related, like the whole Henry Deaver thing in the first season is amazing. The kid is amazing. And the way that it pays homage to King's work with having Shawshank being a central place, I still cannot, I I cannot believe that we had a (laughs) miniseries that had Tim Robbins at Shawshank Prison, in in a scene like yeah. that is just like that's amazing to me. That is absolutely <laughs> amazing to me. Um, and so that show just kind of seems like it's it seemed like it was the playground for King fans um, to really play play in the imagination of of King fans and King's work. And I really loved it, uh, even with some of the some of the issues, I guess, with the second season. I didn't really find uh much much issue with it but i know like you did and and Mm. i know some people didn't really care for it that much but man i i absolutely loved castle rock and it's something that i mean i'm it's it's well it's my number um uh eight on my list so so yeah it's just it's it's an amazing an amazing show cool yeah it didn't make my list
0: um i feel like the first season both seasons were a little bit of a not the word sl- "slog" is a ha- too harsh of a word, but right. I-, I feel like it needed some condensing for me. Sure, um, I don't know because it was each season thirteen episodes.
1: Uh, no, I think there were ten. Were they 10? Yeah. It felt
0: like more than that. Mm. I don't know. But I I just, it's sort of, it was, both seasons were a little too drawn out for me. Okay. I I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the idea. Maybe it was the fact that we were kind of watching them week to week. Sure. It wasn't all been binged in one season like we've all become accustomed to. Right. As TV fans. So maybe that hurt it for me, but. uh, Interesting. Yeah, I, I wasn't as connected to it though i do give it so much respect for how it weaves so many different ideas and concepts and yeah stories together i love the the description you just had that it was kind of like king fans playground right that's that's a really good description descriptor, descriptor yeah. for Thank it you. but uh yeah it's it's definitely a good show and i i would probably have it in a top 30 adaptation nice. um but uh yeah it didn't quite make my list
1: sweet well that's fine yeah um, so, uh, we already said my number seven was Misery. What's your number seven?
0: My number seven is 2007's The Mist.
1: Oh, that's my number five. Nice. Yep. It's a top
0: fiver. Right. The second, uh, Frank Darabont entry, mm-hmm. uh, on this, on this list. Um, I absolutely love this movie, mm-hmm. uh, such a good adaptation and such a good, um, a, a truthful, you know, Frank Darabont's kind of the master of a faithful adaptation. Yeah, especially a King adaptation. He does such a good job with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the Mist didn't really need a lot of editing. It was it's it's a very the the book the novella is a very tight story. Mm-hmm. Um, not super long, but um, this was something that was well adapted or well well uh, suited for a film. Nice and nice tight story. Um, didn't need to be a miniseries. So, uh, prime choice for that, I guess. Yeah. But, um, an incredible cast. I loved everybody in this movie. Mm-hmm. Such great characterizations. Again, there's, there's a big cast of characters, so yeah. I think it'd, it'd be easy for a lot of people to get lost in the shuffle, mm-hmm. but there's so many characters with speaking roles that, yeah. that had true development and, and became part of the story.
1: Another Tom and, Jane one for your list. Yep. Definitely. Yeah.
0: That's too. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just amazing that they were able to pull it off. Um, it's really scary. Has great visuals. Some mm-hmm. of the camera work really jumps out to me. Um, there's so many great scenes in this, and uh, so many good snapshots of great camera work in this. Um, and again, it's just I think the idea of the mist as a concept of mist with creatures in it is so goddamn scary. Oh yeah. Um, and it's incredibly scary in the book and they pulled it off so damn well in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, all these creatures that come out and just decimate people and some of your worst fears, you know, brought to life. It's, it's so cool um blood sucking creatures and creatures with tentacles and mm-hmm. creatures so big that you can you can only see their feet in the mist in the mist right um that's incredible and i they pulled it off in the movie and i'm i'm so happy with it um and they chose to no spoilers but they chose to go a different ending than the movie than the book and mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite king endings maybe one of my favorite endings ever so yeah. oh, incredi- yeah. incredibly bleak but Earth shattering. Yes. And, and, and memorable and will stick with you forever. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Such a good movie.
1: Yes. And I, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. Like I said, it's my number five. And I will also add to that the, 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 um, the interpersonal conflict the the human aspect of it mm-hmm. the horror in the store with the the factions that rise the fear how fear just kind of creates in in it this hope for, <laughs> this this uh this the the a lot of people i won't spoil it or anything but there's like this religious wave that goes over the goes over the people in the store it's an ensemble piece and people get it gets to the root of the evil of people mm-hmm. and it's just really really just an incredible kind of uh, self contained or, or very contained story of community in a, in a really messed up way yeah the sociology of it is fascinating absolutely yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yep um, so that was your number number seven from seven me. okay yeah. and we have not covered it on the podcast yet but we may be sometime next year we'll mm-hmm. see um, so my number six is uh something we covered in episode forty. We've talked about it uh a little bit here uh here tangentially, but it is twenty nineteen's doctor sleep nice i mean. Where is this on your list? It's gotta be on your list. It's on my list. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, so I adore this movie so much. Mm-hmm. Just for all of the reasons that I stated in episode 40 and in the commentary track on Patreon at the $5 level. Um that the achievement, the the magic trick of Mike Flanagan melding together. The book, The Shining, the movie, The Shining, the book, Doctor Sleep, and his movie, Doctor Sleep. It's it's a per it's a perfect symmetry of these very different things, and it's just that it's a magic trick. It's a freaking magic trick. Mm-hmm. It is so amazing, and uh, like I listened to a podcast, um, uh, just a movie podcast that I discovered. I'm not going to name names or anything, <laughs> but like it, I kind of feel like dr Sleep is a movie that in like critic circles and in kind of maybe not necessarily in greater pop culture or anything but in critic circles it is it's not respected it's right. not like it got kind of mixed to negative reviews and like this podcast that I listened to talked about it like oh it's a it's a terrible movie because uh, they said that anytime the movie uh invoked the imagery from Kubrick's movie. It just took them out of it because it's not a Kubrick movie. And I'm like, okay, that's a little snobby respect what they're doing with the story and everything. (laughs) Um, but it, it just kind of, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's much more than that. It's more than a sequel to the shining. It is, it is a continuation of a story of a trouble of, of a, of a, of a troubled, troubled, wow. Individual, (laughs) who was a kid who experienced a horrible experience and has a horrible gift and is now an adult dealing with his own issues and everything. It's just an incredible, incredible, incredible movie, an incredible adaptation. And it is my number six. Jeez, I need to move that up. Is um, <laughs> my number six, and it is Tiny's Undisclosed Number. Yeah. We'll um, talk about it later. Yeah. Uh, so what's your number uh, six. Well, five, so four. number six was Stand
0: by Me, which we talked about. Gotcha. Um. So next is my number five. Okay. Which is nineteen eighties, The Shining, which is oh, kind of a nice, nice uh, uh, companion to what you were talking about.
1: That's my number two. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Which I think I might need to switch. Doctor Sleep in The Shining. <laughs> honestly. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Um. The Shining. What? What? What more can we say about mm-hmm. it that we haven't already said uh, a couple years ago when we talked about it? But uh, in
1: episode thirty-seven. Thirty-seven.
0: Nice. Um. Uh, it's it's. I think this is the this movie is the pinnacle of King iconography.
1: Nice, well in said. my in my
0: opinion, uh, which in Stephen King's probable opinion is unfortunate because he's not a fan of the movie (laughs) right right. um but we we made peace with that when we talked about it Mm -hmm. i think i think we can love the book and love the movie and still be king fans yeah i don't even think steve would be mad at us for that no um steve if you're listening let us know (laughs) right please let us know record it yeah um but just come
1: over (laughs) right
0: come hang out yeah um, and so you know, in this episode, we're talking about movies and mm. adaptations and what we like. And Stanley Kubrick is a top five favorite filmmaker for me. Oh yeah, I have been a Kubrick fan since I was a teenager. Mm. Nothing's changed. He is one of my favorites, and his talents are on full display in this movie. Yeah, um, it has flaws for sure, and we we talked about those. Doesn't care, doesn't capture the character as well. At all. <laughs> um, there's very little characterization. Um, right. Uh, there's a spotty script here and there, but mm-hmm. the visuals just put it over the top for me. Yeah. Th- this is just a visual movie, and I challenge someone to take their eyes off this movie. Yeah. It's just gorgeous.
1: It's an exercise in just perfectly perfectly drawn tension and mood and atmosphere yes yes absolutely amazing
0: all those things yeah yeah it's and it's so good um great performances um there's all kinds of uh rumors and uh you know stories behind the scenes stories uh about this movie there's all kinds of uh interesting stuff to read about it Um, Mm -hmm. it was you know it was it was a it was a stanley kubrick production yeah you know they're they're always troubled and difficult and Mm -hmm. there's always stories from the from the uh from the making of um and that's just part of the lore and the fascination with this movie um yeah it's 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 an iconic movie and i'm like i said it's it's the pinnacle of king iconography and i'm fine with that Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah nice well said Mm -hmm. um I echo those sentiments. It's my number two and it's there for a reason. It's one of those – it's one of those movies that even though it is so drastically different from the book and there is all of that baggage about it as an adaptation and King not liking it and everything Mm -hmm. and like even what I said earlier in this episode about it being – its own thing and different from the book and and not really honoring the book in, in in any significant way with those like issues aside it is still like the most uh just massive horror movie it is like that it is like you said the pinnacle of king iconography and it's something that is just incredibly immersive so mm. yeah so that's my number 2 sweet yeah uh, shall I go on to my number four? Yes, okay. My number four is something we already mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll talk briefly about it. We also talked about it in episode 41 of the podcast with Mike White. Um, it's 2016's 22 63. Nice. Um, everything you said earlier in this episode, I echo. It is just, it's this was this came out pre Castle Rock mm-hmm. and. It was one of those experiences where I watched it and I thought, man, this is how you do a King adaptation. Hmm. This is the way you lovingly include Easter eggs to King work, and this is the way you do this this core story of this romance and this romantic relationship, this tension, and this, this um, fight against time. And it's just, it's so well done and it's, it's, it's just fantastic. I really loved it. I really loved eleven twenty two sixty three. Nice. Um, yeah. Good choice. Yeah. yeah, Thank you. That's my number four. Sweet. Uh, tiny top four.
0: Yeah. My number four is Christine. Okay. Which we talked about earlier. So top three. Yes. For me, it is 2017's It Chapter One.
1: Mine too. Nice. number three. That's hilarious. Yep. We reviewed it in episode four. And we, you and I, did a commentary track for it in episode thirty-one. Nice. Yes.
0: So yeah. Sweet. So I think what so many people love about this story is mm-hmm. it's these it's these kids. Yeah. This 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 team, the Losers Club, the club, uh, is incredible. And I gave I complimented it in the nineteen ninety miniseries adaptation. I think those kids did a good job. Mm-hmm. I they captured it decently well. Yeah. But. With this adaptation at chapter one in twenty seventeen, they perfectly nailed it. Yeah. In my opinion, just as good as the book. Oh yeah. Which which I never thought somebody could do. Oh, absolutely. Um, they found was it five kids?
1: Six kids? Oh uh, you're putting me on the spot. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to remember yeah. here. Uh let's see. Uh five or six kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Richie, Bev, Bill, uh, Stanley, um, um Eddie. Um, Eddie and uh uh Ben, Ben, they're the six losers, yeah, six, six. of them yep, okay, yep, yes, six phone calls, nice at the beginning <laughs> of the book,
0: yes, okay, sweet, six kid they got they found six kid I actors. Guess there would be
1: five phone calls, five. anyway, sorry, go five. ahead, yeah. Mike, right. uh, Mike, Mike, I forgot Mike, so it is six right. phone calls, seven kids. he got comes it. in later, so yeah, <laughs> yep, so.
0: They found seven kids, right. seven kid actors who weren't just good, but great. Yes. Which I don't know if that's ever happened.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. I, yeah. I think this is
0: the first time that's ever happened right. in cinema history. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were so damn good. And they uh, none of them were... There's no weak links? Right. They were all fantastic. And that, for me, carries the movie. If mm-hmm. If they just hit that, you have a good movie. Yeah. But on top of that, they took the... One of the probably top five most iconic areas of King iconography. Yeah, uh, Tim Curry as Pennywise mm-hmm. for sure is a top five, and I think they maybe either met it or excelled it. With I think um, so too. With Bill Skarsgård yeah. as the new Pennywise, yep, he was fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in the most complimentary way I can possibly say. <laughs> right. It. Um, and 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 it, it wasn't just him, you know. It was the the makeup, the costume work, mm-hmm. um, the CGI that they yeah. achieved for him. Um, but it was all capped off by uh, um, Bill Skarsgård's performance and Absolutely. his his creepiness like mm-hmm. i i can't see that guy in any other light ever oh, ever, right. ever again oh, yeah. he's forever tainted for me yep which i mean in the most complimentary way possible <laughs> right. um and, and so they they just achieved that and and they did it making it two parts was such a good idea mm-hmm. um i i never would have seen it as a movie or I, I, I could have seen it as a trilogy yeah i think they pulled it off in two parts they did a, they did a good job um Spoiler alert! Chapter two is not on my list. Right, mine um, neither. Yeah, wasn't wasn't a bad movie, but yeah. they they missed the mark on it. Unfortunately, yeah, I agree. Which which is a real bummer. And and it wasn't it wasn't a fault of the cast. I think I think it was right. really good casting. Um, it was it was script and structure issues that that hurt that second chapter. Totally agree. Uh, um, but again, a top thirty adaptations, it it might it probably it probably sneak on there. Um, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe for me, it's yeah. close, but. <laughs> Thankfully we have chapter one yeah. that was damn near perfect. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love that movie.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um also scary as shit.
1: No, oh, oh absolutely. Goes without saying. <laughs> yep. Uh just the, the way that it depicts dairy is so mm-hmm. great. And ah, I, I loved it so much. Even with like they made some choices here and there that I didn't quite like that much, but all of the characters are really fleshed out really well and Mm -hmm. the chemistry is just out of this world it is it it is amazing yeah it is amazing Um, (laughs) so so yeah i don't really have much else to say about it but sweet it's 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 incredible yeah nice yeah um and my number two my number two is the shining we talked about it sweet so we're at my number one tiny nice uh where are we at with you do you have a number two
0: uh i do but it might be your number one
1: Oh, it is guaranteed to be my number one. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, we're at an impasse here. So, yeah, you go ahead. Okay. So, my number one, my number one Stephen King movie or TV work adaptation is 1994's The Shawshank Redemption. Nice. Which we covered in episode 56 of this podcast, and I don't know what all I can say about it. It Mm -hmm. is... It is about as close to a perfect movie as I've ever seen. Mm. It is one of those just absolutely amazing. It's it's heartfelt, it's it's weirdly feel good and it has this like if like I recently watched the trailer and it's so weird because it is it was marketed as this like feel good like like Oscar like Oscar bait movie which it sort of is, mm-hmm. but the finished product the the actual movie stands on its own and is 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 its own thing and does everything just so perfectly um and just the i mean that that story of friendship between red and Andy is just it it is it is absolutely magnificent. Um, so yeah, so that's my number one, Shawshank Redemption.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. It's my number two. Nice. Um,
1: Shocker. Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) Um, yeah, your statement that it's basically a perfect movie, Mm -hmm. as perfect as a movie can get, I fully agree with that. Nice. It is a, basically a 10. Yep. 10 out of 10. Um, um, I I don't know how to say anything else, but uh, (laughs) other than, other than it's noteworthy that it's, since we're. You know, in the in the arena of adaptations, Mm -hmm. it's damn near word for word. Uh, Oh yeah, which is shocking. Oh, absolutely. That almost again talk about something that never happens. Yeah, I mean, there's always almost always some kind of editing and something Mm -hmm. that's drastically different between the book and the movie. But there's really nothing. Yeah, there there's the we talked about it in our our other episode, but there's the um the warden character is kind of three yeah. different people in the book mm-hmm. and we just have the one warden in the in the movie but that's kind of a negligible thing almost i think right. all of the actions of those three wardens are Exemplified and and uh, characterized in the the one character in the movie. Yep. So I think there's there's so much there's enough crossover that it's not even really that big of a deal.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, it, the lines are the same. Mm. I mean, it's 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 an incredibly tight adaptation. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's as tight as an adaptation can get. I'll put it that way. Yeah, um, which speaks to how great the book is.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's and how great Frank Darabont is. Oh, yeah. Um, right. With it. It's just it's a it's amazing. Yeah. Just the just the care the care that he mm-hmm. has for King's work is is so evident in all of his adaptations of it. Well said. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Awesome number one, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> We're only yeah. one off, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: so I can't <laughs> help it. I know what your number one is. Yeah. Twenty seventeen's. <laughs> The Dark Tower.
0: Um. <laughs> I was going to make that joke. Nice. But, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. It's 2019's Doctor Sleep. Nice. Um, I think that was my number three for the year mm. in 2019 on Obsessive Viewer. It was uh, That
1: sounds right. Number
0: two or three. I can't remember. Was um, that
1: the year 1917 came out? It was. That was my yeah, number one. That was your number one.
0: Yeah. So yeah. That was so also 2019 was my favorite year for movies of that decade. Oh, yeah. The, the 2010s, that was my favorite year for, mm-hmm. for movies. And uh, so it's no surprise that this is my number one. But um, it's it's my number one for a different reason. I think um, this, this was an impossible movie. It was an impossible mm-hmm. movie to make because, um, like I said, The Shining is the pinnacle of King iconography. Mm-hmm. So to blend that in a visual way with a book and to blend it with a movie that king doesn't like and to bring all those things together and change the book the ending of the book is is way different than the ending we get in the movie i think the movie's better um yeah. i actually think the movie's better than the book i think that's the only adaptation on this list that has that moniker and has that designation for me i don't think any of these yeah. other adaptations are actually better than the book except this one um and and i hate to say that because i love steve but uh, <laughs> right. again mike flanagan uh, can do no wrong and and the way he blended all of these things together is it was impossible and he pulled oh, it off absolutely um and and also i think what he achieved for me you know when this like you said earlier we we kind of reviewed all of the shining franchise leading up to this movie coming yeah. out yeah and and so when this movie came out i was really i really think of the torrance family mm-hmm. as like like a family like they have they occupy a space in my head mm-hmm. the torrance family all three of them and um i to 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 have this is their perfect ending for me yeah this movie is their it's the perfect conclusion for the torrance family and i had such such a strong emotional reaction to this movie i absolutely. was blown the fuck away by the ending of this movie mm-hmm. and how he blended all these things together and and so i had i had such an emotional attachment to this family and the conclusion and the ending that mike flanagan gave to them is just perfection
1: uh, Absolutely, and, and i absolutely
0: adore it and, mm. and and that for me that's what makes it actually better than the book Yeah. Uh, Which a book, the book is in my top 19 Mm -hmm. books uh, for King. I can't remember where it falls, but. Yeah, me neither. I'm pretty sure it's top 10 for me. Yeah. Um, But, but yeah, I, I, I'm just, I can't say enough good things about Dr. Sleep. I think um, my top three would be a great choice for number one for anybody like i think they're all great number one choices but yeah dr sleep is such a personal pick for me just because Mm -hmm. of the real like i feel like i have a personal relationship with the torrance family nice and and the ending that mike flanagan gave to them was perfect so i can't that's that's why it's my number one
1: nice well said Yeah. yeah that i i agree yeah I, I agree. You have a very personal connection with it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, I totally agree. Um, Sweet. Yeah, so that's our top 19 we adaptations. We did it, yeah. I'm really proud of this list. I I am too. I'm very proud that I'm probably going to be cutting it. Away. <laughs> like I'm going to be redoing it Uh Well, and I love that our, our lists
0: were – we had some really close similarities, but a lot of yeah. differences too. Like oh, yeah. There's eight or nine on yours that are not on mine and vice mm-hmm. versa. So that's – that's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, it speaks to the the volume of his adaptation body, his body of work. You know,
1: absolutely. Yeah, and just the variety is is right. unreal. The variety, yeah, yeah. So before we kind of close out, I do have something I want to kind of say um, before we close out. But uh, let's just recount each each of us go and yeah, go uh, nineteen to one. Um, since you just talked a lot, I'll sure. talk. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. So to recap. My top 19 Stephen King movie and TV works slash adaptations starting at 19. 19 is sometimes they come back from 1991. Number 18 is in the tall grass from 2019. Uh, number 17 is the shining miniseries from 1997. Number 16 is Carrie from 1976. Number 15 is Cujo from 1983. Number 14 is the dead zone from 1983. Number 13 is pet cemetery 1989. <laughs> Uh, Number 12 is Christine, 1983. Number 11 is Gerald's Game, 2017. Number 10 is Stand By Me from 1986. Number 9 is Creepshow from 1982. Uh, number 8 is Castle Rock, the complete series from Hulu. Uh, number 7 is Misery from 1990. Number 6 is Dr. Sleep from 2019. And number 5 is The Mist from 20- 2007. Number 4, 112263 63 the miniseries. Number three is It, Chapter One. Number two is The Shining from 1980, and number one is The Shawshank Redemption from 1994. Nineteen is a lot to just recap. (laughs) It is. That's a big list. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So hope you guys liked that tiny recap.
0: Yeah, my number nineteen is It miniseries from 1990. Number eighteen is Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. Number seventeen is 1922. Number sixteen is Leesy's story. 15 is The Shining miniseries. 14 is The Stand miniseries. 13 is, uh, sorry, The Stand miniseries from 1994. I should Mm -hmm. specify that. 13 is The Outsider miniseries. 12 is Gerald's Game. 11 is Apt Pupil. 10 is The Green Mile. 9 is Creepshow. 8 is Misery. 7 is The Mist. 6 is Stand By Me. 5 is the shining Kubrick film from 1980. Mm-hmm. Number 4 is Christine. Number 3 is It Chapter 1 from 2017. Number 2 is The Shawshank Redemption and number 1 is Doctor Sleep.
1: Nice. Yeah. Awesome. And as we do with the with the novels we we review and everything, we're going to keep this these lists in the show notes of each episode. And whenever we see a, whenever we review and cover an adaptation, we will ask each other if it breaks our top 19. So look forward to that in the future. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I actually have a lot of plans for us in 2022 to watch a lot of stuff to kind of coincide with my Patreon project that I'm doing. So um, it should be fun. But um, so I want to kind of close out with uh, some Twitter feedback. That we've got. Mm-hmm. So, um uh, before we recorded, w- before we were supposed to record on October 5th, but then those plans fell through. I tweeted the plan tonight was record our tales from the dark side the movie app for next week, but instead, we're going to do an episode counting down my and tiny's top 19 Stephen King movie and TV adaptations. So, if you're reading this out of curiosity, what is your number 1 favorite? So, I'm just going to read some of the replies that I got um just really quickly. We've got uh the let's see, so so the very delightful um uh Stephen King fan account, I guess, um, uh, at might Stephen, uh, it's Stephen King might recommend. Uh, so uh, he said, uh, I think Carrie remains the gold standard for King cinema adaptations. Dr. Sleep is also gorgeous. My favorite is Firestarter. And he also said, I think the 1994 version of The Stand is the gold standard for King TV adaptations, but his favorite is the 1979 Salem's Lot miniseries. Wow. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, new recent Patreon supporter, Jason, uh, said uh, his number one is Shawshank, number two is The Mist, Number three is It, Chapter One. Number four, Stand By Me. And number five is The Shining. And he says, I know I have The Shining a bit low considering its place in cinema lore, but this is my list based on level of excitement to stumble upon when scrolling through the channels. Which I think is a really good way to kind of gauge, um, to kind of gauge Creed, how <laughs> <laughs> uh, how how you like it and everything. And then uh, Chris uh, said Dr. Sleep. And let's see... Uh, Garnett said Shawshank gets my top film adaptation Dr. Sleep is right up there for TV I give it to The to The Outsider hmm. which just barely beats out Golden Years um, Golden Years? Yeah uh, and he says don't let me hear you say life's taking you uh, nowhere angel come get up my baby I think that's a reference Golden Years is like a I think it's like an original it might be a Mick Garris thing but I think it was hmm. like an original thing that King wrote for TV oh okay um, it is on my voodoo, I believe. Um, and then also new Patreon supporter Paige said the mist 100 percent just barely, just barely based on the amount of times I've rewatched it compared to all the others. Nice. And then David said favor to stand by me, but I've always had a soft spot for Cat's Eye, which I'm excited to get mm. to because it's collects some stuff from it's an anthology film with a bunch of stuff from uh from Night Shift. Cool. Uh let's see, and then Rudin said recent pick 1922 changed en- change the ending otherwise pretty spot on and he said older pick was Shawshank hmm. and uh i oh there's so so many more just nice. loaded um that's, that's great. nice there's a lot
0: of variety in there
1: oh yeah oh yeah. yeah uh fellow fellow Stephen King podcasters the losers club said stand by me in all caps hmm. and uh robert in utah I can't leave him out i need to scroll up to find him where is he Uh, Where are you? Okay. Robert said, uh, this is so tough. If I'm ranking the best, it's Shawshank Redemption. If it's my favorite, it's the 90s stand miniseries. I know it's not the best, but nostalgia and it kicking off my love of King is the big factor. And uh, I love that answer. It's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Um, I love that
0: it's all very personal.
1: Oh, absolutely. That's
0: one of the best things about it.
1: Yep. And then the Talking Scared podcast said, taking Shawshank out of the equation because it's too good and closes down the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I'd probably say the mist just edges misery today, but maybe not tomorrow. Nice. And I'm just going to kind of scroll through. Sorry, I'm not getting through everyone if if you guys are listening and everything. But um, check check the Twitter feed. Cool. Uh, Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So that's our episode on... Uh, our top 19 film adaptations mm-hmm. or film and tv adaptations from king this was a marathon it um, was <laughs> yeah um rip to my laptop yes. and uh thank you guys for listening and and you know uh, uh check out patreon if you can because i need to buy a new laptop <laughs> um but uh also on patreon i did do like i said um uh reviews for every episode of midnight mass and I've done commentaries at the $5 level for a bunch of entries in the Halloween franchise. And I'm thinking I might do the same for Paranormal Activity mm. um, because the new one is coming out in a couple of weeks. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. It's going to be on Paramount+. Plus. It's Paranormal Activity next of kin. <laughs> so, uh, so look forward to that. But yeah, check out Patreon if you're into that. Uh, Tiny, do we have any parting thoughts for our listeners? Nope, I don't. All right, well, in that case, thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, long days and pleasant nights. And may you have know twice the number. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. I don't know, maybe I'm just associating that type of music, that type of score to a garbage movie, but hearing the score or the opening theme music for Foundation just f- sounded very similar to that. So, for example, here is a clip from uh, Roland Develd, the, uh, the track from the uh, Dark Tower movie. So that's that's Roland Eld from the Dark Tower movie. It's like I said, it is just very generic, very blockbuster filmmaking. E and then here is the uh, part of the opening theme music that I used for the start of this Patreon recording for Foundation. Like, it sounds like the same goddamn music. <laughs> like
2: Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to TowerJunkiesPod.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod and follow us on Twitter at TowerJunkiesPod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out ShocktoberinIrvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com, and on Twitter, at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com, and ovanthologypod on Twitter. Finally, check out The Secular Perspective. Chinese side project podcast which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets which can be found at facebook.com slash as good as it gets band Thank you so much for listening Long days and pleasant nights
1: Kitty!